You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. And we're continuing on with these bonus episodes of the Lawal Deng and Pops Mensa Bonsu Instagram live sessions. Hashtag Deng Pops Chat. Obviously, because of the coronavirus, uh, these guys have been doing Instagram live sessions every single week. Uh, now have done 10 episodes and this is the grand finale. Uh, they go three hours. It's a straight fan Q&A answering questions from the fans, including... Uh, whether or not they would invest in a British basketball team, uh, what their favourite quotes are, and also what advice they would give to their younger selves. Um, But yeah, super, super, another super, super enjoyable episode. I'm pretty sad that uh, they've been coming to an end. It's been really enjoyable to kind of follow their their journey uh, through all of this and also sort of um, reiterated in my head how powerful these long-form conversations are in terms of building a relationship with an audience because I definitely do feel like I I know these guys um, more personally uh, than I ever did before now having listened to these uh, super long conversations and kind of hearing the way they think and the way they sort of approach life and also obviously about their careers um as always uh if you do want to support the work that we do please check out our patreon account that's patreon.com forward slash hootsfix p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash h-o-o-p-s-f-i-x there you can sign up to give us a monthly donation of as much or as little as you'd like to help continuing the work that we are doing and hopefully uh growing british basketball uh, a big massive thanks to luol deng potsmesa bonsu benson um for allowing us to run uh, these sessions on our podcast feed um i think it's allowed it to get to a much wider audience and obviously allowed uh, you guys to not have to tune into the the live session to still be able to listen to it um so yeah massive appreciation to those guys for for allowing us to do so but yeah, as always uh if you want to reach out to me you can hit me up on my email address sam at hoopsfix.com uh, or on every single social media platform at hoopsfix uh, we'll be going back to regular programming of hoopsfix podcast episodes with special guests uh very 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 soon so watch this space um, that is enough from me. Uh, here is the final episode of Deng and Pops um, Fan q and I hope everyone is doing well, staying safe. Uh, oh, shoot, they can't hear me. Yo. Wow. I just, uh, I just gave a great introduction, but I don't know if my volume was on. No, it was. I can hear you. Oh, you can? I could, yeah. Oh, so why is this guy ball humble? Yeah, Mr. Humble. Why are you trying to tell me what? Ask a question, Mark. Because he knows you. What you. Are you? What? Soup. It's lunchtime, bro. Is your lunchtime always at three? Nah, sometimes when you work so hard, you forget to eat. I forget to eat sometimes, so I have to make sure. And I know, I tried it one time, I was getting lightheaded on the call. So I was like... Never get there. There you go. No, 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 no. But so you were you were busy. You were busy today that you had to eat exactly at three o'clock, or you just you just made this. It's a reminder. It's a, it's a nah. reminder. I'm doing so much stuff, and this is like a break in my day from like work and everything else. So when I take that break, I'm like, man, I have to be on my game, and I realize I haven't really eaten that much since breakfast. So, so you're treating this as a game. So, so a game. I mean, yeah. uh, as a break. Yeah. No, no, this is important. So, so you did all you, so your schedule is just preparing yourself to use this like as a break time so you can eat just. Because this is natural. This part of, this part of the day is natural to me. It comes easy. You know, 
You get me. You get me, bro. I mean, you, you snacks in between everything is just. I know you ain't talking. You went to go put on socks last time. During the break, during the halftime. I, 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 I respect right. it. Not only right did I respect you. you had to put on socks, we had to wait five minutes for you to go all the way upstairs in your damn castle to go put on socks. First of all, I'm not Mismatch in the castle. socks at that. First of all, I'm not in the castle, and they were both left foot Mismatch, socks. exactly. They were mismatched yeah, on, socks. Yeah, on purpose. So I don't look, so it's quicker. So I just grab them and put them on. Why but, are your socks not paired up together in the first place? Huh? That's what I don't understand. Matter right. about. Why are well, your I, socks not paired up in the first place? Because what happened is when I do my laundry, Oh, you do, oh, wait, wait, wait. Listen, people. Luau Deng does his own laundry. Am I yes. going to call BS on that one? No, I do my own laundry, for real. But look, when I do my laundry, right, and I'm folding up my clothes, right. I ain't got time to look for left and right. You just, they look alike. You put them together, you fold them up, and you throw it. I lie. I lie. I can't walk right like that. When I put, if I put two left feet on my sock, on my two left socks on my feet, that's not going to work. It's, my whole day is going to be messed up. See, that's the problem. It's mental. It's mental, bro. They fit the same, man. Unless, unless you got your, the, is your left foot different than your right? Is it right? Obviously, it is. Is your left shoe different from your right shoe? That's different. That's a shoe. No, how? how? A sock is a cloth. It's like it just it goes over it. Yeah, it's not, but the type it's of not, socks that you're saying are made particularly for each foot. No, right a sock a sock is made to fit your foot mold. Right, but a, why, a did shoes, you, why did you? A why shoes did you? is listen. A shoes is made for you to fit your foot in it. He did it again. This is uh, look, no, look. no. It's 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 very uh, no. Look, you see this? That little L right there. That yeah. means left foot. Oh shit! This is left too. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> so this one, this one, this one, this yeah. one is right foot. Okay. Yeah. Obviously. Nike makes the socks particularly for our left and right foot. Lies. Who's saying he's right? What it's is he lie. right about? It's a lie, bro. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a conspiracy. I'm sorry. Nike no. and the NBA have worked together bruv, no, as a conspiracy. Bruv. So you really think? So you really think if the one that says right and the one that says left, if you put if you put the right one on the left and the other one, it would just mess up your the way you're walking. Not the way you're walking. I'm just saying it's, it's not going to feel right on your foot because they make it to to shape your foot. And be large, extra large. Yeah. Yo, that's Lou the size. No, that's the wrong. size. The left and the right is not about to. Anyway, anyway. Okay, okay. We could do this all day. But... Life's important, question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is. Let's. Um, I really. Okay, so today, today is our seventh episode, I think. But no, it doesn't nice. matter. Okay, nine. It doesn't matter. I think this is important because we're going to, I want to take as many questions as possible from yeah. every episode that we had, but I want people to mix it up. It's not, it's whatever your interest is or whatever your question is. I'm going to try to click and we're going to try to uh, answer as many questions as we want. Um, Pops, For sure. you're, doing What's up, this, bro? you're doing this Teddy thing again. No, no, Stop no, no. Stop touching no. People, shit. Stop, just, See, just... Some of us get phone calls while I'm on No Business, the eighth episode, but it's the ninth show. Uh, okay. Some of us are getting calls while we're working, so I forget to put it on Do Not Disturb. Okay, cool, ah, cool. The live drop. One second. Sorry. 
Benny just told me about the live dog. Continue okay, so listen. So the live stories, huh? The live dog. You want to start us off with questions? Because um, uh, I want to. I want to give people as much time. I still don't have questions coming in, but if you have questions from before, uh, let's bring them up. I said I got the Juba connect. <laughs> Yo. Hey, um, Coach Luke, put that question in the, the question box so that Luke can put it up so everybody can see, all right? Everybody, if you've got questions, send it on to the, the little question mark and then so that we can all see and can answer it. Um, one question somebody asked me today was, um, it's a great question too, great way to start. What constitutes um, success and succeeding in life? Like a good life. So hold on. I'm I'm gonna hold on. I, I gotta sign up in my thing. I'm gonna make sure I get it right. Hold on. One second. All right. Where are these questions? What's going on though, man? What you been up to, man? It's our last. It's our last episode. You know. Yeah. You know. I was just thinking. What are we gonna do from here on out? I don't know, but you know, I was I was just thinking when uh, that question was asked. I think today. I'm going to try to answer. I mean, I always do. But today, I honestly want to answer the question as as real as it gets. So so what I'm saying is I'm, I just want to speak my mind. And at times, it might not connect or agree with certain individual, which will be good, too, to start some, I don't know, if there's a different way of thinking or believing or whatever. But if you guys really have questions, I would like to answer them. And the way I view it, like that question that you just asked, I don't know if mm -hmm. we're going right into answer it, but you know, when you say that, what, what, uh, what exactly are you, you know what I mean? So, so it depends on what success really is. Like there's different field of success. So it's like, so, there's so plenty, plenty of ways. Huh? I didn't mean to interrupt, but you can equate it to what you were saying about how people have always viewed Africa. And they view Africa by them, them silly commercials of a kid that doesn't have a shirt on and they make it seem like he's starving. But really and truly, that kid's life is he's, he's leaving a good life and he's happy and content with his life at that time. So I think success is relative to the person. Like for me, success is peace of mind. It's not money. It's not fame. It was just always peace of mind. Now, a lot of things can constitute um what peace of mind is is my family taken care of is everybody in good health like do i not have to worry about too much that could constitute peace of mind so that's that's to me that's what success is to me yeah but that's but that's your exactly it's objective it's objective yeah but when people say success like someone is not going to come to someone is not going to come and look at pops and say he has a peace of mind that's success do you know what i'm trying to say it's, it's like i think I think what, how I describe what you're saying for me is more of a satisfaction. You, you know what I mean? You're satisfied with yourself in terms of, you know, you're happy, you're taking care of your family, but success is really connected with what field we're talking about. You know what I mean? So, so for me, it's like, uh, let's take uh, a camp, for example. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what is your goal to start with? And where did you go from A to B? There's different level of measures of success. Let's take business, for example. You know, mm -hmm. what did you what did you do in business that can be seen as success? Um, so 
I think success is different for everyone. I think that, you know, we measure people by, you know, the most successful is obviously going to get the most attention and, and should get the most money um, in terms of whatever field they're in. But there's different levels of success. You know, it just depends on where you're setting your goal and which bar and how, how high up you're trying to get. So, I, 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 you know, so again, so for me, that question exactly is depends on. It's, re it's relative. It's relative to who you are. Like for me, it's weird. Like put us, like use us as an example. You were going into games knowing you was going to play 30. And so success for you was how are you going to help this team? How in those 30 minutes that you knew you were going to get every single night, how did that, what was going to constitute success for you? And it was going to be the best way to help your team on that night, which is why I always felt like you were underrated as a player because you didn't, they didn't even run offense for you. You move without the ball. Like you played hard, you played defense, and those type of players are always going to fill up the stats. Now, for me, success was making it to the NBA making it to the NBA and just getting an opportunity to play. And it was, it was difficult because at the end of, closer to the end of my career, I was talking to a good friend of mine and I was like, man, I wish I had a better opportunity. I wish I had more of a chance to prove myself and really be established in the NBA. And he was like, fam, you had, you, like, you, you played in the NBA. You were established. You, you had a role on team. Like you were, yeah, you may have been in and out, but you were as a NBA player, to me, that's success. That's what he said to me. And he was like, successful to me was just getting a, a warm-up, is what he said. And that put everything in perspective to me. There's only been, I don't know the number, it's an arbitrary number, but someone said it's only been like 4,000 NBA players ever. Ever. From, from the day the league started to right now. And you and I are two of those 4,000. And so in that all right, we've been successful. Thinking about where you came from as a refugee, we go to Egypt and get an asylum in the UK, and then now you're here. Like, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done it, and I've never really had the opportunity if I watch the documentary, to sit back and be like, you know, thank God. Thank God that, you know, I've gotten this far. And, you know, God forbid, but if everything were to end today or forever, like for playing, if my career had to end whenever it did, I would have been like, I was successful enough to have influenced some people, influenced some players, influenced a generation, and my, and made my family proud. Yeah. That is success. Now, yeah, but, you know, but, but it, that success to me, I think, um, and, and it's hard to, to mm -hmm. explain this. It's hard to explain this to people, but I think that that's true. Red the, the way, the way that I approach it and I said, I was going to try to explain everything, right. To, Cause everyone is different. I think your success in, in your own term for yourself individually, I think you got to push your bar so high up that it's, it's actually it's scary. Uh, when you mention it to some people, not only scary, but. But you can't, you, know, you can't always mention it to people, though. Well, it's, it's up to you. Uh, it's, it's up to you and how you feel about that. I don't think that it always has to be a secret uh, because that's, that's your own push and your own drive. You know? but, but I think that we limit ourselves, um, mm -hmm. not even knowingly we do it, where uh, I can tell you right now, I, I have some you know, uh, determination and some things that I want to achieve that sometimes when I tell people, 
they think it's crazy. Uh, but for me, honestly, and I always say this to people, I didn't want to just, I didn't want to just play in the NBA. Uh, mm -hmm. I honestly, and I can openly say it now, I wanted to be the best to ever play the game. Uh, I, I, I just pushed myself that way. I, I don't know how far it was going to go, but that's where I set my bar. With other things, it's the same thing. Someone else will come in and be like, oh, you're a kid that came from here. You're so successful. Look at what you did. But you know deep, deep down, yes, you're successful in their eyes, but in your own point of view, you're way bigger than that. You know, your, your success level and your belief is bigger than that. So... You know, at the end of the day, what you're seeing might not be my success. You know, it might be a success in the world that I live in. It might be success where everyone viewed how far I could have got. But in, in my push and my drive, I, I was aiming for way higher than that. You know, what I would have got it, you know, then I got it. But if I don't get it now, at least I'm somewhere where I know that I gave it my best and I was still successful in your eyes. You know what I mean? Well, it's shooting for the moon and falling amongst the stars. I mean, you, for me, success for me was was being as good as Amari Stoudemire or making becoming an All Star. Yeah, I may not have done that, but in my path to trying to get that way, to get to that, I was an NBA player. I played on five NBA teams. I was, you know, I, I was, you know, I was, I had a great career over in Europe. Like me shooting, um, setting my sights so high, allowed me to so much. And yet inside, I really wish I would have had played longer or had more of an opportunity to play in the NBA or, you know, had that um, become an all-star. But what I was able to do was successful some yeah. other people. And I, and I only say that to say it's only relative because everybody that's watching and watching these lives and has consistently been following us, they're watching for a reason. They either want insight, they know us, they, they, they want to know more about our journey, or they see success when they watch us. They see two different people that grew up as friends and become brothers. Now they, they're trying to figure out what is it that took to get to where they were. That's why we did it. So yes, to us, we, uh, me setting my goals high, my career may not be as successful. The fact that I ended my career at 31, 32 was to me not even close to I should. I, I personally felt like I should still play. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about that. It was about everybody that's watching and putting the comments, uh, and, you know, in the suggestion box. Um, because they're, they're the ones that I feel like are inspired by what we did and what we were able to do. So, you know, that's, um, again, it's all relative, but again, hopefully it's... Um, no, I just I'm I don't know if you're looking at this. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fly through questions. So we because there's a lot of questions. It's a lot of questions coming through now. But uh, this is a question. Uh, we are ballers. This is a question that says, "What was the biggest obstacle uh, in your lives, and what did you do to overcome it?" This guy just really ordered Postmate or Uber Eats. That's super made, bro. What are you talking about? I told you that this affected my apartment once. No, 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 I'm with you. But look, so we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of questions today. So uh, I'm gonna fly through it, uh, Pop. So I'm sorry if we're going uh, for everyone. Sorry if we're going a bit fast, but try to answer as many questions. Uh, I just read this one when you went to get your Uber Eats. Um, oh, your connection is going out again, Teddy. Oh boy. Am I the one who's frozen or is it him? 
Sorry, sorry, sorry. Was you 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 good? Yeah, I just wanted to connect my headphones. Jump okay. Over. My God, I ain't seen the manual in a minute. <laughs> so yo, so the question is, what are the biggest obstacle in your lives, and what did you do to overcome it? Uh, this is coming from We Are Ballers. So, uh, you want to go ahead, or you want me to go ahead? Man, I could. If I spoke about every obstacle that um, that I ran into that I've had to overcome, it'd take two hours. Um, but again, similar to like what we've said before, I I've had twelve surgeries. I've had, you know, I've had um, situations where, you know, the coaches told me I wasn't going to make it. I wasn't, or they doubted me, and I had to overcome not only situations with um one second i had to overcome situations um for myself but i had to overcome other people who were roadblocks to me too and um no i'm from ghana um and so for me again whenever i had obstacles or difficult things that happened to me in life I I use them as motivation. It came to the point where so many negative things or so many difficult things were, were happening to me that I I just got used to it. I got used to being knocked down. I got used to 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 not going the easy route. Um, that it just became a part of who I was. And again, I was motivated by failure and fear. When people when people would uh would doubt me i was like cool that's fine i'm i'm gonna i, I bask i bask in the um uh the opportunity to prove not only other people wrong but to to make sure <laughs> to make sure <laughs> I, know you just on, Matt. You. <laughs> Matt. Uh, I had to prove it myself that i can do something is always the biggest always the biggest um challenge for me and once i proved it to myself everything else didn't matter the the best critic is a silent one and that's one of the things i've always hung my hat on yeah you know this is uh this is one of those questions that and i know i, I wanted my tone to be a bit serious today pops so uh because i really want to answer like straightforward and for me, you know, that question is, is kind of, it's hard to answer a little bit because just like you said, there's so many obstacles within our life that, mm -hmm. you know, there's some that when you look back, they're not as big an obstacle as you made, uh, made them in your mind at the time. But, you know, I, I think for me, I don't even know how to explain it to people, but I think my biggest obstacle, I would say, was the life that, I, that we were living. Uh, you know, it's hard to explain, but I, I hated it. I hated the fact that, we had to leave home. I think uh, as a child, it always bothered me. I hated the fact that I was in somebody else's home. Um, it's hard to explain, but I, it really bothered me. And I wanted to, you know, I was always pushing myself in, in, uh, in a way to, to kind of motivate everyone else that came my path or was forced to, to be a refugee or take that path that I wanted to push so hard to have a name. You know, and there's different levels to it. There's, you know, there was making making life better for my family and changing the, the path. I can't always be, you know, this path where refugees are moving home. When I was younger, you know, everywhere I lived was five years and I'm moving, five years and I'm moving, five years and I'm moving, you know, not till I found a job. 
in the NBA where I, I was determined to stay as long as I can, and I ended up staying there 10 years and moved on. Man so, said a job, yo. Man called it a job. This is, it was I a found job. a job. It, it was. It's it just the way you said it. It was like, yeah, yeah, man, interviewed for this job, and I got it, you know. No, nah, it's a job, man. You know, you 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 don't think about it that way, but it's, 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 it's a true. job. It's, it's true. Like, true. Now, now that I'm retired, that I can actually make up my own schedule for 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock live, <laughs> Listen, it's the first time. It's the first time I'm doing that in twenty something yeah. years. I've never mm -hmm. made up my own schedule. It was always on, you know, everyone else's schedule. But those are some of the things. And at the same time, there's obstacles like, and I know this will sound funny, but I hated when people couldn't say my name. I wanted to. Who are you telling, bro? No, but I'm saying it's like this level to obstacles. So you know, so how you overcome them is honestly by determination and hard work and knowing that. You know, today is not going to go your way, but tomorrow might go your way. Uh, you know, it's pushing through the, the, the rough times when, you know, uh, it's so easy to get up and go with the flow when everything is going your way. But as soon as things don't go your way, it's easy to complain. But how do you keep that consistency in, in the drive that, you know, you're trying to get to your goal no matter what? So I think, you know, uh, I'm going to do you have a question or you want me to keep? Fire. I have another one. Somebody asked, um, would we ever invest in a UK team? Would we, would we what? Ever invest in a team in the UK? Yes. So um, I would. I definitely would. But I would only invest if I'm allowed or if I'm allowed to be in a process of talking with the league in order in, in what I believe how the league should be run. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that the league in the UK could be so much better, but they have to understand how to make it successful. You know, back in the days, me and Matthew Ryder were talking about this. When you had uh, Birmingham, uh, you had Manchester, you had teams from Newcastle, like you had teams that we actually knew uh, when we were younger. That's when, you know, BBL was at its peak. You know, but why was it successful? How can we go back? How do you get the communities involved into going into games? I would definitely invest, but I have to have more than just putting a team in because right now it's not working. It, you know, the way it's being run, it's not working right now. Yeah, man, it's it's funny you say that. That's a great question. That was from my guy, Sam from Hoops Fix. So you and I spoke about this early on. So for me... What constituted success, going back to the other uh, question, I wanted to make it to the NBA, play 10-plus years in the NBA, and then when I got a little older and knew I wasn't going to be as um, effective in the NBA, I was going to come back to the UK and play um, for the London Towers or play, you know, play in the UK and help and try to use whatever notoriety, whatever, um, you know, whatever stature that I have to help the league. Because I know and I've seen the BBL at its best. I've seen it when it's, they've become a European, I wouldn't say powerhouse, but become relevant in Europe. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing. I remember watching London Towers. I remember watching Nick Nurse coach those teams. I remember, you know, seeing them play against the Rockets, playing against some of the best teams in Europe. Like, this was amazing. And it's one of the things that help you know build the love my love for the sport and seeing it at a young age in the uk that was like to me i was like man if i don't make it to the nba i could always play here 
And that's how I saw it. So I would definitely want to invest in it. And like Lou said, I would want to have some impact and input into how the league is run, how it's, how it's the product that's put out, and how we go about compensating the players, sponsors, all that kind of stuff. Um, is something that I really wanted to, to be a part of. And again, that none of that has changed. I may not be able to go play in the league right now, but, you know, um, I, I want to actively help and, and, you know, help develop that league and get it to the point, um, get it to the point where it's relevant again in Europe. Because funny story, when I played in Spain, I played for Juventud Badalona, which was, uh, which was the team Ricky Rubio was on. He was 16 at the time. Mind you, he was probably he was the most famous person in all of Spain at the age of 16. Rafa Nadal, Pau Gasol, whoever you want, nobody was more famous than Rick, Ricky Rubio at that moment in time. Um, before I got there, they had played the less it wasn't Leicester Riders, the Guilford Heat. They played the Guilford Heat in the Euro Cup, and they had beaten them by 40. Ricky comes up to me and like seriously, and he was like, "Do these guys?" when they play basketball in the UK, is it their primary job? And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, because we kind of beat them with the junior team, and I just didn't think these guys played basketball seriously. I was like, no, that's their profession, the same way it is for you. And he was like, oh, wow. He was like, that has to change. There, there can't be, um, can't be a, a league in the UK and it not be to the level of some of these other leagues across Europe. And when I heard that, that's when I knew I really had to, we really had to do something. Something had to change because you, UK has to be an option. Yeah. If I didn't play, if I didn't play in Spain or if I wasn't in the NBA, I would have loved to have been able to come back and play in, in England or in London. My brother got to play for the London Leopards and, you know, I didn't get to see him, but I was because I was in the U.S. But the fact that he got to play home, my parents, my, you know, my siblings, everybody else got to watch him play. That was that was dope. That was amazing to me. And I, I wanted that next to the NBA. I, I wanted to be able to go play um, at home and stuff like rough and ready and, you know, playing in the Olympics and, you know, Hosanna, all those kind of things. Those kind of things is what I hold deep inside and I, and I want for the UK. And we're going to get it back to where it's supposed to be. And, yeah. I, um, you know, I'm not, I don't know when, but it's going to happen for sure. Yeah. Nah. Um, here is a question from Kojo, actually. It's a good one. He says, uh, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions about the life of an NBA player? Mm. Man, always got good questions. Um, I, I think, um, for me, I think people get caught up that uh, when you're so good at something, they only think of that one thing. Uh, what I mean by that is, is you know, for, for NBA player, you're, you're still a human being. I, and I think that one thing that I would say I learned is you can, you know, people say money doesn't bring happiness, which, which is, is, uh, is, is true to, to a point. Uh, I think that it solves a lot of problems. Um, so, but the one thing that it's, uh, I always say is you become norm to the lifestyle that you live, uh, whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's good or bad, you, your mind starts convincing you that what you're doing is, is, is normal and you get comfortable with it. And I think a lot of times you see NBA players uh, or athletes in general or rich people in general, 
uh, with something that you want. Uh, so a lot of times that you think that, you know, that's the happiness, that's the life I want, mm -hmm. whether it's a car, jewelry, the house they live in, you constantly want it, but you just forget that, you know, when you have it for a while, think of anything that you have for a while, you know, you, cre you create other obstacles in your mind or other needs. And, you know, whether it's depression or mental health or whatever you're going through, just because you have money doesn't mean that, you know, you're mentally strong or you're not mentally going to deal with other things. So I think the, the misconception is just that people think that nothing can affect NBA players or athletes. You know, just because you have money is not the, on, the ultimate goal in life. I think that, you know, there's, there's other things in life. And depending on who you are as a person, you know, money is not going to buy that. You know, it's, at the end of the day, is what satisfaction do you have with yourself? So NBA players do go through, you know, those struggles, but people don't feel sorry for them because people think money is the answer. Exactly. Uh, but I'll tell you for sure, I know a lot of guys with money that are lonely uh, or battling some mental health issue or depression or whatever it is, you know, that's that still happens, whether you're good at something or not, it's still going to reach you. So, um. Man, that's that's man. You you touched on a lot of things that um, speak to me. Uh, one, the first thing I would say is there's a lot going on in the NBA, and none of it is basketball. Uh, for me, I had to learn the the business about basketball the hard way. I was cut five different times. Um, I've been cut five minutes before my contract was guaranteed. And two days later, I had to pack up my whole house. And I was in Venice, Italy the next day. And so people see us and they see, oh, you made it to the NBA. You did this, you did that. But I was like, man, you don't understand how mentally trying and difficult. Um, uh, as soon as Luau invites me, I'm coming to Juba for sure. Um, how mentally trying and difficult it is for, um, to, to pivot from being on the best team in the NBA potentially going to the NBA finals and winning a championship, then all yes. of a sudden having to pivot, move a whole house with the help of one other person to, to end up in Venice, Italy. Like, like my, my rookie year, I had made it to the NBA. I was like on, I, I had gotten to the, to the mountaintop, as you would say. And the doctor thought I was clin clinically depressed. I, not too many people know this, but the doctor thought that I was clinically depressed because I was going through a lot of stuff in my personal life. And like, I played for a coach who was making my life difficult. I wasn't playing that much, you know, you know, often when they say coaches get on you and try to push you and try to, and, and get you to play. Normally yeah. that's reciprocated with, um, you actually playing on the court, but I wasn't playing. So I'm getting the heat from here. I'm struggling in my personal life. And I hated basketball. And my brother can attest to this because I stopped calling my, 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 my family, my parents. My, my, I stopped answering the phone. Um, and, you know, for me, everybody, you see that I like to laugh. I like to joke because I know it literally is the best medicine. It's the way I grew up. But for me, I knew that the more I was able to laugh and smile, I could, I could hide from my problems. Yeah, And I literally hated the game of basketball. Not until I opened up to my family, to my brother, to my everybody else, what I was going through, that, um, that I was able to get past it. And whenever I see 
that those difficulties come up again, I go right to my family. I go right to um, the people, my support system. So that's one of the things I really hang my hat on. You said it best. We really have to have, players got to have the right people around them. You got to have the right support system because it is lonely. You can have all the money in the world. Like think of Michael Jordan and, and like LeBron James. Those people, everybody is probably envious of their life. Everybody is envious of who they are and their fame and their celebrity. Those, they could be the loneliest people, man. Because every time those people have to walk out of their house, they have to be on. They have to be LeBron. He has to be MJ. So that's why they, they, when they're in comfortable spaces, they can finally relax and let their hair down. But every time they go outside, they have to be an NBA player. They have to be a superstar. And as great as it is, and as people are like, well, they've got millions of dollars, and so they should be fine. No, your mental health is the, the key, man. You see how many players are coming out in the uh, the NBA today and open about their mental health issues because it's, money doesn't buy everything. Money doesn't doesn't um, make your life easier. Yeah. You know, you it can't answer. It's not the answer to all of your problems. So yeah. for me, I think the mental health was the the biggest um, misconception about playing in the NBA. Yeah, and it's not just even. I mean, Ooh. mental health is is such an underrated issue, man. That. I think for me, it took me a while to understand it. And I think mm -hmm. part of it has a lot to do with my culture also. I think that, you know, growing up uh, when we were younger, when someone was having mental health issues, we were just told that they're crazy. Exactly. Um, and you, and you kind of distant yourself away from them because uh, you didn't understand what to do because you actually really believed that they're just crazy, not that they're dealing with something that... They, them themselves they're fighting uh you know and i've i've come you know a lot closer to it and understanding it better even when we do some of the events that we do with uh, south sudan unite you know we try to have workshop where we talk about mental health issue and i learned a lot from those i think you know we put on south sudan unite for a reason to try to reach out to communities but and you end up learning so much yourself that you start to see a lot of things that you did wrong that you didn't even know that you were doing wrong. You know, mm -hmm. now I'm, I'm very open-minded to things like that because before I just, I didn't understand it. I just went with what we were told as kid. You know, you were told not to cry. You know, mm -hmm. you were told to be tough. You were told to flex. Um, and when someone was crazy, you were told, you know, stay away from them, don't bother them. You know, and I think that's just the things that we got to change. So. When you mentioned mental health issue, I have to mention that. But yeah, it could, it could attack anyone, man. It could, you know, anyone could be dealing with it. it doesn't matter what you're doing or who you are. So, um, yeah, I put this question up because it's such a tough question, and it's so tough that I'm gonna let you go first, uh, because if I'm struggling, I probably copycat your answer. It's such a good question, man. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the pressure on you for this one. There's a, I wouldn't say there's just one thing. I think for me, uh, the main thing would be you think about all the difficult times that, like I said, I've had 12 surgeries over the course of my career. I've been knocked down a bunch of times. I've been cut. Um, I've, been, I've wanted to quit. But I uh, uh, I would always tell, I would tell myself, like, it's going to be all worthwhile in the end. You know, don't, don't think at, um, not playing this game or not making this team 
is a is a knock to who to who you are as a man or who you are in life and you're you're not you haven't been successful understand that the journey is going to be worthwhile and that's that's allowed me to to appreciate a lot of my a lot in my career obviously i would have loved to have not gone through or experienced a lot of the things that i did but Again, it's, it's shaped and molded me as a man. It's, it's allowed me to be the person who sits in front of you all today. Um, I would also say um, you have two ears for a reason. You know, listen, listen twice as much as you speak. You know, um, someone's telling you like my, my coach and my coach Houston, who coaches the Seed Academy, he coached me at GW. I remember he told me, and my brother always used to say this, he'd be like, bound, bound, bound. Bound is short for rebounding. And my coaching, I came back, I ended the draft my junior year. I come back my senior year, and he's like, look, you ain't got to average 20 points. If you just average 13 points and 15 rebounds, you're going to be a very rich man, and they're going to be calling your name on draft night. I was like, nah, coach, I got to average 20. I got to do this, this, and this. And I think I averaged like 15 and 6, and they didn't call my name. It wasn't until I was a rookie in the NBA that I realized I had a talent for rebounding and I could do it on any level on any, in any stage. And I remember I spoke to him today. I called the coach and I was like, man, you're right. You were right. Cause then I, I, if I had done it in college, my life would have been a lot different. But once I realized as a grown man, that there was no other grown man on this planet that I felt could box me out and stop me from getting every rebound, that's that's the persona I, 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 I portrayed. And even when we played national team, I was like, look, as much as I would love to get the ball, we got somebody that could get a bucket. If he misses a shot, he ain't got to worry about it. I'm going to get that rebound. And once I figured that out, I called my coach and was like, man, I apologize. And accountability has always been something I've, 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 I've held really near and dear to me and something I really try to hang my hat on. And, you know, I, I'm okay with admitting when I'm wrong. So, you know, if there's, I know I said a couple of things here, but it's, you know, knowing that the journey is worthwhile, listening twice as much as I, um, I speak and, you know, just, uh, continuing to work. Yeah. Yo, it's, it's such a, man, it's such a tough question for me, but I, I feel like there's so many, you know, when you look back, there's so many areas that you could look back. It's easy to look back now mm -hmm. and say, I should have done this or I should have told myself that. But with that being said, at the same time, I feel like there's certain things that you want to go back and change, but they might take away from other things of who you've become. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's just the journey that you go through. But if, if, if I was to go back and change some things that don't affect uh, my path or who I became, I, I definitely would say the number one thing is, is investing more time in people that really care about you. Uh, and, you know, I say that because the, the older you get or the bigger that you become, you create a circle that are not necessarily, uh, they don't necessarily know you and they're not necessarily for your best interest. They're, they're more of uh, amazed by what you've become or they want to know how you did it to be like you, which is nothing wrong with it. But mm -hmm. Being able to invest more time on people that really, really care about you no matter what will always take you back to that baseline. You know, you mm -hmm. won't get too low. 
under that baseline and you won't go too high where you, you know, you're not reaching them back. I think that it's very easy to get lost in, you know, your drive and your ambition and your mission that you actually ignore what really matters. And then later on, you, it hits you and you realize like, damn, you know, Rough and Ready was, <laughs> Rough and Ready was dope. We should have, we should have spent more time enjoying that instead of thinking, yo, America is where I got to go. It's better over there. Don't get me yeah, wrong. It's that's one of the best basketball experiences I've ever had in my life. It's, it's one of the one best of the community. Best. The community is, is mm. deeper than that, man. I, I you know, I, I try to tell people Rough and Ready, it, it, it was deeper than that, you know? And, and the crazy thing is even when I think, when I, when I talk about it, I'm, I'm still close with a lot of my friends that I grew up with, so I'm blessed mm -hmm. that way. Um, but you think back and, you know, the other day, honestly, and shout out to Martian Ambrosius, by the way, I swear to God, I was thinking back and, uh, Michael Jackson's song came on that Martian wrote. wrote. Yeah. Yeah. And butterflies. And, yeah. Butterflies. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, yo, I, I grew up with Marsha. And, and, and the crazy thing is, it's like, you think back, you know, Marvin, Marsha, everyone, right? You did spend time with everyone, but it wasn't generally like how you would go back right now with what you know. Like those are people that I'm just bringing up, but there's so many of that. So for me, that would be one I would say, you know, invest, invest more time in those that really care about you no matter mm -hmm. what. Because uh, at the end of the day, and obviously family is part of that, but at the end of the day, you, no matter, you, we all want to be successful and we all have the drive, but you're going to bring a circle around you. I don't care what, they are not necessarily for your best interest. Um, uh, hey, Cole, what did you mean by the $100 million conversation? And speaking about the people that you grew up with, my boy, my closest and childhood friends who, to this day, you know, we still talk often. Like, when I was running track growing up in London, we used to, anybody who knows track and anybody knows anything about British athletics, like Mark Lewis Francis was, you know, heralded as one of the fastest men to ever to, to run, to put on a British uh, uniform. And my boy, Stephen Berthier, we used to run track together and he used to run against that guy and beat him every so often. And when I left to come to the UK, to, to the US, I lost touch with a lot of my friends. There was no social media. There was no real, e I didn't have an email address. And he always found a way to stay connected to me. And that, and you know, that in, within itself humbled me and brought me to the realization that, like, I may not have many friends, it's, but it's the ones that I hold close to me are the ones that make me who I am today. You know what I'm saying? So when I literally, most of my career was allowing my, my, my family and my close friends to live vicariously through me. You know, I was able to get to a level where I could experience being a professional athlete, being in the NBA, playing in Europe. And I wanted everybody else to um, experience that and, and, and see that life. And so I wasn't playing for myself. I was playing so my mom and dad could be proud that their son is in the Olympics or made it to the NBA. I was playing that, you know, so that my boys in London could be like, yo, remember Nana or Dwayne that, that was at uh, school with us. He, he's doing this, this, and this. And seeing his, um, uh, seeing, his, uh, seeing his reaction to me, bro, it humbled me, man. It humbled me, man, because this guy growing up, he played football, he ran track, and he was one of the best at it. And then I leave and I come back and he's successful 
he pivoted. He may not have ended up, you know, running for the for Great Britain or do or playing football in the Premier League. Uh, but he was able to to pivot, and he's got a great job, you know, working in, you know, working with big time clients and everything. And that's why we're so close because his mindset wasn't to be like drowning in his sorrows. He wasn't content, and he wasn't um, stuck. He wasn't stuck with being um, pessimistic. And that's why I always keep those kind of people around me, man. I've always appreciated that, man. Never get a chance to tell him that, but I think I told him the other day, and you know, he's on here now. He always makes it his goal to support me even in this time. And, you know, you definitely need those type of people around you. Yeah. Nah, that's awesome, man. Um, mm. Here's a good one. Um, this is from Creative. My guy Creative. I call him Creative. That's, that's, that's Benson. But before I go there, uh, my brother had said something about um, the $100 million conversation. It was um, when I was talking about listening um, to the people uh, around you, what I would tell my younger self. When my brother called me, and, and this is why I love, like, he never, and luckily I wasn't fragile. I wasn't totally ment mentally fragile. He, I was, I was averaging 30 points in the G League. I was, like, averaging, like, 30 and 8. And I'm on my high horse. I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking, what's the court? Uh, nah, it's real, Steven. It's real love. Uh, I'm thinking, oh, I'm about to get called up, blah, blah, blah. And here comes this dude, calls me, and is like, yeah, that's cool. And I was like, yo, I had 35 and 7 rebounds, blah, blah, blah. He was like, my man, they draft people and pay people $100 million to score in the NBA. They're not coming to you as a G-leaguer to, to score. Go out there and get 20 rebounds and see what happens. And I lied to you not, by my third 20 and 20 rebound game, I was gone. I was gone. You know, and I was called back up to the NBA, and it was like my lens can be so skewed sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But that's why you have to have the right people around you and have the right support system, and know that he's never told me a lie a day in my life. So when he tells me something, I can take it as gospel. I can take it as you know what he's telling me. You got to go out here and just hang your hat on defense or play or rebound. That's what I got to do. Yeah, he may not have played in the NBA or this, that, and the third, but I understand that what he's saying is in my best interest, and this is what's yeah. going to help me. And so that's, that's, that's one of the biggest things. When he told me that, it humbled me, bro. I was like, yo, I just scored 30 points, and you're talking about I need to just get more rebounds. I was like, man, this dude, I'm about to hang up on this dude. I had a flip phone. I was about to smack the flip phone and hang the joint up. But, yeah, you know, bro, again. It's, it's so hard to measure the influence of people like in your life that know what it is that you need and can say mm -hmm. it to you straight up. A lot of people don't have that, bro. For you to have, you know, a brother or a family member or even a close friend to just tell you straight up, a lot of people don't have that or a lot of people are not able to take that, you know? Mm -hmm. Someone else could have been like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a scorer. And I've seen it. I've seen guys call up in the NBA where whatever league they came from, they were scoring and they came in thinking they're going to score and you're not getting the minutes or the time to, to do that. So they're looking at what else can you do. You right. know what I mean? And especially the best part is when you could come in and do something no one else can do. Exactly. That's how you stick around. Yeah. yeah. Well, who is Uptown Lifestyle brand? It sounds like we went to school together. I got, who, who is that? But we right, can move so, on. <laughs> what's, what's the next right, question? All right, next one is uh, from Creative. What quote do you live by and why? <laughs> Man, I have a lot. I have a lot, fam. I have a lot. I just finished talking, so you can go first. So. Oh, Ugo, what's up, fam? 
right. So, all right. For me, and I and I did say I, I'll just say it straight up. I think there's a lot of people who live with quote that don't necessarily mean shit. Um, you know, some people. I'm not obviously not not every single person is going to think I'm talking straight to them because I don't know your quote. So I get the right to say that. But it's a lot of quotes that people live by that don't mean shit. And what I mean by that is it's it's really it's small-minded and, and dumb to live by one quote that only necessarily pushes you in one side or one thing in your life. There's so many things within your life that need different quotes, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I think it's finding a quote that can go with everything um, that is really effective in terms of shapes you in your life and who you are. So for me, it doesn't necessarily go this way, but there's a quote, I don't even know if it's a quote, but it's a saying that my dad just used to say in, in, in our language in Dinka that I'm just gonna try to translate as best as I can, but that's not how it, it really is, but it's, it's what it means, right? And it, it basically talks about having the ability to, to uh, set up your mindset, to believe in that what you have and what you're going through, right? Someone else has it worse, it's not the worst thing. And having the ability to switch your mindset into believing that it's a therapy by itself that you could never measure. And why that quote is so dope is because no matter what level you're going through, and when you think of just my lifestyle of just being moving from my country, being a refugee, um, going to the UK, being in the NBA, being an all-star, all that stuff, uh, my mindset from the get-go was always, I believe that, I and I still, till this day, I really believe there's someone out there that has it worse than you, and more sure. so ever than now, right? So no matter what the situation is, even if it's an injury, you know, you get an injury, I always believe that it could have been worse. Uh, and why you do that is because it keeps you pushing, but it keeps you also to believe that you're not unlucky. This happens to people, right? And it also makes you believe that you're lucky that it wasn't that bad. And you could put that in every situation in your life. But the best part about it is it's almost like a prayer. I'm sorry if, you know, I'm, you know, going at anyone about prayers and anything, but I really believe that why a prayer is so strong is because it switches your mindset into actually believing everything you're saying word for word. Instead of just talking to someone, you're talking to God. So there's no lie and there's no miscommunication. Your mind switches. Having that ability to believe in everything that you do. You know, you fail an exam today. It could have been worse. You know, you have a bad day today. I had two points or six points in a game. You know, I could have played worse. You know, it's, it's constant push. But, you know, uh, the transition, I mean, the translation is not exactly that. But, I mean, I can't say it word for but that's exactly what it. Yeah. And that's what I've always lived by. I really always believe that I'm very lucky to be in a position that I'm in. Also, there is hard work, but it really could have been worse. I it's about having perspective. People get asking what the quote is. It's about having perspective. Luau is basically saying, you you know, you can have difficult times, you can have struggles, but there's always somebody that has it worse. And if you have gratitude and be um, grateful for what you have in life and your blessings in life, you're, you know, you'll understand that it's, it's not that bad. Yeah, switching so, your mindset. Switching your, your mindset. mindset to, yeah. This is not just about a quote that you just go by, you know, this is actually a lifestyle, a belief. It's an everyday get up that you follow. It's not, it's easy to fake it, man. It's, uh, and 
you know, it's easy for you to just go by a quote and fake it. It's easy to live by a quote and you go out there and you run 10, 15 miles, but yet you're not calling someone to check on them. So the quote doesn't go on there. You know, it's, it has mm -hmm. to be a quote that affects your every day. And that's a mindset. It's not a, exactly. That's why I was saying it can't just be one quote for me. Exactly. It's, it's a lifestyle. So It's a lifestyle for sure. And for me, it's never been one quote because I hear when I read certain books or I see certain things, um, like those are certain things that really put my life in perspective for, you know, those who are religious um, out there. Like sometimes you go to church and you be like, man, the sermon was, 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 was preaching right to me. The pastor was, was speaking to me uh, in particular. is like, it seemed like he was just talking to me directly for me. So that's why I have more than one. Uh, personally, uh, thanks, Benny. Personally, I one is tough times don't last, but tough people do. And I think that one spoke to me because I've been through so many difficult times in my life. And I look at my brother. My brother's career ended literally the day my college career uh, ended. And I felt like he's the reason why I played the game. And for his career, and I always wanted for us to, like, meet at some point in time over the course of our careers. Same thing with you, with a joke. I've always wanted to meet, and it ne that never happened. And he was one of the toughest, is the toughest person I know. And for that to, to, to derail his career, for him to immediately pivot and go and be successful in, a, in another phase of life is what keeps me going. For me, I... You know, again, one surgery, like I had a surgery in college, ended my career. I wasn't able to finish my college career the way I wanted to. Oh, well, pivot. The, the, the world's going to keep spinning. The clock's going to keep ticking. Figure it out and, and go from there. Another one for me is, I said before, it's two more. <laughs> it's the uh, ultimate measure of a man. It's not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in moments of controversy and conflict. And that's by Martin Luther King. And for me, that just that determines it's like you can apply it to life you can apply it to being on the court in a game like if there's a couple minutes to go and you're down four or five points that's when you're defined uh as a person that's when you find out who you really are adversity doesn't build character it reveals it and so when difficult times come up that's who you are as a man or as a person and that's how and that's how i looked at things and the last one um, yeah, we're gonna come back. This is this this one. Yeah, that's why I'm looking at time. Yeah. We got I'll two finish. minutes. It's gonna yeah. cut off. Um, so, do you want to finish it now really? before we cut off? Yeah, I'll finish this one. Um, and then the last one is what's meant for me won't miss me, and that what misses me wasn't meant for me. Mm. And I heard that one, and it put my whole life in perspective, fam. It uh, it allowed me to understand that you know me playing 15 years, 10, 15 years in the M NBA was was not meant to be. And I had to understand that. But me becoming a GM at 34 was. And me being successful in this side of the game was what my path was. And I had to understand that. And so when when I don't get, when I don't make this team or I don't get this contract or I understand that that wasn't supposed to be my route. But when I do, you know, get become accomplished on on the front office side and like you said instead of me continue if i continue to play now we probably wouldn't be having this conversation yeah because i, I my, my career my life would have been different so i had to put everything in perspective and understand where i am and where i'm supposed to be 
And so that's where it is. How many minutes do you need to go put the socks on, fam? Yeah, no, no. So listen, so what I got from your last quote is dope because uh, it just tells me that, you know. Um, He's going to say something stupid. What? No, no, what? I don't. He's going to say need... something stupid. No, so. it's not stupid. This, this is serious. I don't need to call her back because what's meant for me? <laughs> No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yo, but seriously. Ooh, yeah. what wisdom won't teach you right hey, bottom wheel. Uh. Hey, shout out to Kojo and Marvin Addy. Because of them, I do cap races. Those baby Jesus, <laughs> listen, those baby Jesus caps. I always wanted those caps. All right, yo, um, I need two minutes. All right, four, 401. 401, we'll be back. 401. All In right, three go. minutes. All right, cool. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. My arm is It's just so that you can see and understand. I've been a Tottenham fan since they were sponsored by Holston Pills. Man, them understand that, bro. Been a Tottenham fan from big. I'm talking Paul Gascoigne, David Ginola, Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, uh, Gary Lineker, I would say so Campbell, but he left us and went to the, uh, to the, uh, I got it, Benny, and went to the, went to the, to the enemy. Just know, see that emblem's right over my heart, because I bleed it, bro. I bleed it, bro. Classic. You understand? Come to Tottenham, come down our side, come to Tottenham High Road and speak that Arsenal match and see what happens, bro. See what happens. That's all I'm saying. You know, um, what, what's what's today? The twenty first, twenty second, twenty second. Yeah, I think uh, six days ago I would have went back at you, but you know, since I told you, you know, think, you know, approaching things differently. So I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, the I'm only really, approach you think differently because your team is 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 awful. That's all right. We'll you can take differently. Everybody wants to be a peacemaker when your team isn't worth a damn. When Arsenal had Thierry Henry and, and, and all these other guys, you was boasting everything. They're, 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 they're off, mate. They're terrible. Nah, you know, hopefully... Hopefully, hopefully in the future we'll get... Hopefully in the future we'll get better. Um, I, I just... I wish, uh, you know, you're happy with your team, that you guys never won a trophy. Let me know if this is who you're going to be, because if this is who you're going to be, you and I can stop now, because... This isn't the Lou I know. I know that. That's what I'm saying. No, no. You got this tomfoolery and this this this, this, this foolishness, and and you'll be on this live by yourself. Do you Who know in um, what year was it? Was it uh, '99? No, 2002, 2001, maybe. What year did Tottenham win? No, I'm ne never mind. We don't need to go there. We just, you know, good team, good team. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yo. So I'm probably, I told you, I'm man, probably, I told I'm probably you, the I'm, best player on Arsenal's team right now. Huh? I'm probably the best player on Arsenal's team. How about that? That's how good they are. First of all, you live you live in an apartment or a house? An apartment. Yeah, you're not the best player in building. I guarantee Nah, that's disrespectful, man. These are professional. Come on. That's how bad Arsenal is. That's what I'm saying. That's how bad they are. Okay? But what I'm saying is, first of all, you've seen me play before. 
And Stephen, I know you. It's been a while since you've seen me play, but I got better. And I was, and once I came to the U.S., I was batting man up, you know. Oh, come on. No. And, and look, so um, for for people that I didn't get to get to that question because we have to log off. I'm sorry. Uh, you might have to send it again. But pups, do you have some question from this doc thing that you guys talk about the live doc? Hmm. Uh, yeah. That's a great question. Someone said taken from priceless black J. Taking shots are good, but what shots are you taking in life? Wait, what? Taking shots are good, but what shots are you taking in life? Like, well, how are you approaching life? How are you being aggressive in life? Or how are you, um, you understand the question, bro. I do, but the question gotta be to us, come on. No, it's in it's in general. She said, like, how do you take your mindset from playing basketball and how do you pivot it to approaching life? Go ahead, Pops. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I think no, I I I I think the you want me to go first? I'll go, go ahead. I'll go, go ahead. Go ahead, man. I, I... So for me, <laughs> I, I think it's it's easy to me because um, I've just take, taken the same mindset that I felt like allowed me, Tifa, what's up? That allowed me to go from from making it to the NBA. And again, this is relative. You know, there are a lot of things that go right for me to to have the opportunity to be in the NBA, but when I saw a little bit of uh, a little bit of light and, and uh, uh, that that uh, that window of opportunity opened, I keep the door open. And for me, when I had to retire from the game against my will, and then figure out life on the front office side, I just put the same work ethic. Same thing I was saying about my boy in London or my brother or or you now that you're retired. I. I took the same work ethic. I took the same professionalism. I took the same leadership that I had and just carried it over to this side. Yes, it's a little different, but the skills that I acquired from playing basketball, I, I applied it to my life on this side of the game. So when I want to buckle down and figure something out, all I do is just try to try to work as hard as I did as a player. Yeah, it may not it may not be the same as me going driving an hour to go work out for, for three hours or go lift weights or play basketball, whatever it is, I put the same work ethic into the players, into my staff, into learning my craft and making sure that the ball, but everything I have to learn and acquire on this side of the game, I'm going to work twice as hard because that was my mindset. I started this game at 12 years old. I started this game at 12 years, seven years behind everybody else ahead of me so I worked twice as hard so I could catch up yes I was athletic enough I, I grew and everything so that kept me that kind of um, kept me um, up to par with everybody else until my skills and the rest of my the game caught up to my body so I just take the same mindset and same work ethic and apply it to whatever I'm doing in life that's how I'm that's how I'm taking shots in, in life yeah I think um Okay, so it, it's it's a bit different. Um, I, I think that naturally I 
I, I try to attack everything I do to try to be the best at it. Uh, I approach it with that mindset. So I think, you know, you could say it came from uh, maybe events in life or the way I was raised or the community that I came from or whatever it is. But uh, I think the difference is, is doing your homework. Uh, it's different now. I think that there's a lot of things I'm determined and, and passionate about that I want to succeed in. But uh, I try to calculate it and do it the right way. So I think the shots that I'm taking, I guess, is, you know, doing my homework in, in, in order to, to try to, to get them right, uh, to do them right. So whether it's real estate or investment or trying to, you know, do a basketball court in Africa or a basketball program or build somewhere, it's, it's a vision and determination that you're pushing. But a lot of work go into it. Uh, I can't just jump into it. So maybe that's why I misunderstood the question a little bit, because uh, I think everyone is different. I think that I can't, I can't rest. I think that I keep pushing in different ways. I try to not, like you said earlier, I try not to say everything that we're doing, because uh, a lot of times it's just, it's a lot of negative and a lot of people will find ways to, to push that down or some things that you might not be able, or people might not believe that you could get done. Mm -hmm. but it's really learning. It's, it's learning the steps from going into driving around London with Matthew Ryder and telling me about real estate, how much you could buy this house, how much you could flip it. That's, that's part of, you know, taking your shots, doing your homework. So I think it's strategizing and, and going the right direction, knowing that, you know, you build a platform where you have something where you could create something, but don't let it go for nothing uh, by being careless. So the shots are precise and, you know, calculated, I would say, if that makes sense. No, no, that's, that's, that's definitely, what you said was definitely right. I think it, they were just, I think they were asking because you see your life experiences. I always tell people you're, you're a culmination of your life experiences and what you've been through. And you've been through a lot as a person and as a player. And probably it was innate to you to work as hard as you did because you knew what you had been through. And people think making it to the NBA is tough. No. Trying to figure out when your next meal is tough. Trying to feed your family is tough. Us making it to the NBA is like, okay, that's great. But it's not it's not the end or be all. Like, there's people who struggle to figure out how they're going to eat. Like, think about this. We're in quarantine. Pretty much everybody across the planet is stuck at home. There's some people who their livelihood is... Um, is going to be contingent on their whether they're going to eat is going to be contingent on their livelihood, and if they have to go outside and interact with people or sell uh, something to to make money to feed their family, that's a struggle. That's what difficulties. That's pressure. This isn't pressure. You know what we've been through in life. What we struggled with is 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 tough. And for me, like I, like you said, I always put in perspective and had the gratitude to. Um, to know that my life wasn't that bad or that difficult. Yeah, we may have grew up rough in London and yeah, people may have doubted me, but um, I was able to overcome that because I, I put in perspective and understood that some people have it a lot worse than I did. And not feeling sorry for myself was key. I didn't, I didn't care because I could have, we could have easily been like, you know what, um, I'm gonna quit. I'm just gonna stop. This is it for me. And if I ended back in London and kicking it with my boys that I grew up with, they would have never. Thing where my brother decided to, to to make something happen when he was 16, 17, to 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 play a sport that not only changed his life, changed mine, 
my families, and then it could have potentially changed hundreds or thousands of people who look up to, to look up to myself, look up to you, look up to the GBT, look up to uh, a young black kid that came from somewhere similar, um, similar to where they did. Um, he could have easily came back to London and just got a job at Nike Town and then been cool. And I would have never been none the wiser. But he decided to go the road less traveled and and try to achieve something greater than anybody would have expected of him. So he tells me I've exceeded expectation, but obviously he did too at the same time because we wasn't expecting him to go to the U.S. and then not return. I didn't know what was going on. I was like eight, nine years old at the time. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's talking about, yeah, I'm moving to the U.S. to play the sport. I was like, what? I was like, well, let's see if I can do it. And if, if, if we're family and we're related, I should have this and have the same bloodline. I should have the same toughness, the same mental fortitude as he. That's just how I looked at it. And that was just my mindset going through everything. Any struggle I went through, I was like, well, imagine what Cole had to go through. Imagine what my other brother had to go through, my parents had to struggle with. So this is this is this is nothing compared to that. So that's just how I saw it. That's dope. Um, this uh, switching gears a little bit, but this uh, question uh, they asked in the last one too. Uh, pretty much what are the biggest challenges facing uh, BAL and the growth of basketball in Africa? Uh, uh, I think, I think that uh, the biggest, the biggest challenges uh, is going to be different from country to country. There's going to be a few things that are similar, but there's going to be a lot of challenges that are different. But I, I really believe that uh, what's really going to help the growth is if the government really invests in, in sports, uh, not just Bob, but in sports and understanding the impact of this league, not just as basketball or basketball players. This, if, if the government in whatever country uh, the team is in, if they really back that team uh, and put in some funding, I think it will open up a lot of opportunities. Even you said it the other day about having an arena that is not there, how many jobs that creates, but also what can be built around that arena that opens a lot of opportunities. Um, I could tell you Rwanda is doing an amazing job of it, of the arena and surrounding. Senegal did the same thing where, you know, it's a new city that's being built around where the arena is uh, near the airport, the new airport. So it's using this as an opportunity where you're going to get foreign, even foreign investors coming in for the right reason, uh, investing in, in the country for the right reason and giving opportunities, not only for basketball players, but also for youth. You know what I mean? And also it encourages the diaspora. Uh, there's a lot of people that would return home or it could create a lot of jobs for people at home. There's, you don't just have to be a basketball player. You know, right. there's going to be a lot of positions that are needed. So I think the growth of it and the impact of it can be huge. Uh, but we need to get governments and leaders to understand because when you just talk about Baal, a lot of them think it's just basketball. They don't understand what's coming with it and how big this league is uh, and how encouraging it is. Uh, the challenges that it faces, obviously the opposite of everything that I just said. Uh, but I'm very confident in it. I believe that the right person is in charge of it. Uh, we are going to face a lot of problems and a lot of obstacles that we're going to have to overcome because this is brand new and it's the beginning. And like I always said, I'm sure that the NBA, when it first started, or many other leagues that faced a lot of issues, it's just now we're in a world where all eyes on you while you're doing it. Um, 
So, you know, just keeping going and then, you know, creating those opportunities. But definitely there's going to be ups and downs, but the impact of it is, is huge. You all had something funny while you were talking. I adjusted my hat. And I looked at myself in the thing. And who does the way I'm wearing my hat remind you of? Are you asking me or are you asking people to... to you, talk? foolish, you. Bro, I mean, I, I really, I don't know. I mean... This is how Jimmy and Joe used to wear their hat. Jimmy, Jimmy used to just have his hat on the top of his head with the glasses on the tip of his nose. Yeah. And Joe used to have it. And I was like, why, why are men moving this way in this hat like that, bro? <laughs> men moving different out here, you know? <laughs> so... Nah. Um, but what's the call? That it just it just reminded me of that, man. That was that was funny. Um, but for me, I think I can only speak to um, I can only speak to. Wait, you were looking at yourself. Stuff. You were looking at yourself when you adjusted your head. Cause I laughed. I just saw something, and I was like, "That's funny." Cause that's how Jimmy used to wear his hat. He used to wear around right the top of his head, and and the glasses would be right here, and they would be on his nose. So. Wait, like, it was like one of my first basketball experiences. I'm sorry, can't... I'm I'm sorry, I'm jumping and jumping and jumping. But did you just put a thumb up? So, so I'm gonna tell you like this. Here is what it is for me. Sometimes, if I hit the comment thing by accident, I don't know how. It's not. It's not. It doesn't allow me to to get it back down. So I have to say something. I have to say something to get rid of the the keyboard. So I just put a thumbs up. <laughs> That's what it is. What do you want me to do? Uh, <laughs> it's true. So, oh, my God. Um, what's it called? Um, for me, I think it's relative to the country that you're in. Uh, obviously, with everything going on in Ghana, I really feel like, and somebody said, why do we have to lean on the government? You don't have to lean on the government, but it makes life a lot easier. It makes your reach will go a lot further and the path a lot more seamless if you have the backing of the government and they understand that this is bigger than the sport. This is bigger than just, you know, playing a game. So for me, um, it's, it's the biggest obstacle for me is the other countries that don't have a foundation, that don't have what Senegal or maybe even, you know, Angola has or Tunisia. Like in Ghana, we don't have anything. There's, there's a federation that's, that's not funded at all. Not one penny. I'm, I'm sorry to jump. Who asked, who asked that question? I'm going to say something that is, is, is honestly, this, this is the truth. You know, Africa is not America or the Western world. When people say, why you have to lean on government? My friend, if you start a company today, every day you're working to work with the government. And I don't mean mm -hmm. by getting the government to be involved, but you must protect your investment and whatever you're doing by, you know, bringing them along involved i i hear you i hear you about why do we have to get the it's government good. involved and it, this is going around a lot where why can't we do this let's do this why we need this we need that nah it's it's not it, it's not that way and and you know maybe some places are different but i i would say to be to be smart uh when you're something as big as bow basketball africa league you want the government involved you that, yeah you, to, to, like someone said like the diva of london said if you want it to be done right, if you can have the input and uh, influence of the government, you can go, it, it can help. Like, look at what President Kagame did in Rwanda, like Luau said. The NBA told him, hey, you build a facility or an arena, then 
you know, we'll bring the Final Four there. Six months, they built a 15,000-seat arena. Six months. The influence, somebody was able to influence the president, and they built an arena in six months. I'm in the process of trying to start an academy, do a camp every year. There's not one indoor facility in all of Ghana. There's not one indoor facility in all of Ghana. And here I am with the help of my, my, my family and, and some close friends trying to figure out the best way to implement that. Imagine how easier it would have been if the president of Ghana was like, oh, we're with you. Whatever you need, done. This sport can be big. We want more Ghanaian players in the NBA. We want more Ghanaian players to be influenced through the game of basketball. It reaches a lot further, man. You just have more opportunities when the government is, is, is backing you. Yes, my initial approach, um, my initial approach is to just go privately. But at some point in time, the government is going to have to get involved, and I'm going to want the government uh, involved. And that's why I'm, I'm not keeping them out of the loop. I'm letting them know, hey, we're going to do this whenever you guys are ready to understand that basketball is a sport that can, can change people's lives and it's changed my life. You will understand, um, you'll know, and then you'll get on board. So you definitely feel like you need the help of a government, but that those are, I think the government could be the, uh, Eric, what's up, man? The government could be the biggest obstacle. If the government is not helping, then you're just trying to fight an uphill battle. Once you get the, the back end, and the buy-in of governments, it's going to change everything, man. And I'm, it's, it's so, I'm so glad that you were so influential on, you know, the independence of South Sudan, um, being the president of the Federation. Now you have influence. You have influence. And again, you're not, basketball doesn't define who you are. Basketball has allowed you to do so many different things but it's allowed you to, to gain that influence. And with that influence, you're doing good things. And that's why I always feel like when you get to a certain level, comes responsibility. You get this responsibility to have this influence on a younger generation, have this influence on your people, the people who look at you as a, as a mirror image of themselves. Once you understand that and you use it for good, that's when you start to get your purpose in life and understand um, what you're doing. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm striving to get to and trying to work with. I met with the president, and people want to understand. You go to Ghana. I went to Ghana in August. I got there. Let's just say August 15th. I told somebody by August I would like to meet with the president. By August 17th, I was sitting in the president's office. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. the influence and the ability that we have in on the continent. If you have, like, if you've accomplished something in life and you're from and you're part of the diaspora and you're and you're and you're from an African country like South Sudan or Ghana, and you're one of the more influential people, if you use that to your benefit and understand that I can help people with this influence, you you don't know how far your reach really is. Two days, two days. I was like, look, I want to meet with the president. Made a call, spoke to my cousin, another guy that works in the administration. I was sitting in front of the president telling him I was one of the first Ghanaian players in the NBA, and I want to do this, this, and this. We had a camp for 80 people, and 400 people showed up. How can we help? First of all, he was shocked at the fact that they had a Ghanaian that was six foot nine. Secondly, he was more excited at the fact that I wanted to do something to, to, to give back and return and give back to the people. So you have to understand, like, you know, you can't sell yourself short in that regard. And we do need the government because it makes things a lot easier. Influence is power, like my system said. But you know what I got to say? When you said something about a quote, 
uh, my other guy, um, Luau Mayan, he said something that was that was insane. I was talking with him one time. We had lunch just to learn his story, man. This kid is the most one of the most inspiring and influential people I've ever met in my life, man. This kid was a refugee, and he uh, he's probably on. He's probably watching us now. He's watched every one we've done. You know, he was he was, he was uh, in a refugee camp, and his mother saved up like it took her two years to save up two hundred dollars to um to buy him a laptop. He was trying to code this game within a, a refugee camp. I don't want to sell him short. Make, make sure you correct me if I'm wrong, Luke. He spent two years trying to develop this game, and one day he wanted to quit because it just wasn't happening. It wasn't working for him, and. His mother came to him, the same lady who was was taking two years to try and raise some money enough because she believed in what her son was doing. Like, imagine that commitment and that belief and that faith that she has in her son. She um, she told him the day he wanted to quit that you can't steal water from an ocean. Man, I almost fainted. I was like, what, 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 what does that mean? Like, you can't steal water from an ocean. You're trying to do something and you're trying to accomplish something. It's not going to happen overnight. And literally within the week after he wanted to quit and his mother told him that quote, he had gotten uh, he had gotten a visa from the World Bank and now he's in front of Microsoft, Google, all these companies showing him what he did with limited resources. Now he's got the backing of all these major companies and he's becoming successful beyond belief. And yeah. he's a young young kid that's so inspirational to me, man, that is, that is nah, crazy. Lual, Lual is special, dope. man. Lual it's is special. It's a special story. But he better take that motivation to the weight room and put on some muscles. Yeah, he's he, he been skipping leg day. He's definitely been skipping <laughs> leg day, man, for sure. But that's, he sounds through the knees. That's your fault, man. You, I've seen your legs too, bro. That's just what it is, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I told, listen, I told you, man, uh, six days ago, I would have went back at you, but this is, uh, you know, grown man. Nah, man, you know, you just, you know, life hits you, you know, you just got to approach things differently now. So, uh, now, nah, do you have uh, any more questions? Uh, Nobody's put any new questions in your joint. Um, well, I have a question here that I saw earlier, but I think we kind of answered it. It just says, uh, what's the biggest factor for achieving uh, excellence? We kind of answered it in, in a number of that's, different That's things. what I'm saying. I don't want to be repetitive. We kind of answered that. So, I, I, do you have any questions? The other question is just, um working hard and stuff like that and i think it's similar we kind of answered those we've been kind of serious do you want to get something more lighthearted, or is there any other stories you want to tell or something because um like you said this is potentially the last live episode but you never know what's going to happen moving forward from here yeah no i i honestly i came in i wanted to answer as many as we can mm -hmm. um I, I i'm really thankful for everyone who just you know, been paying attention and been following this, this, the episodes and everything that we had to tell. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. weird because you don't think of um, necessarily the way you approach things that is, is so much different than other people in terms of the way I've always approached things. I just really believe is just my lifestyle. Uh, I'm very lucky and blessed to, to always be determined and push that way. Obviously, I am learning and there's other things that I add to what I'm doing, but uh, I think I'm really, there's things that I'm passionate about and I go after, um, you know, and I try to really push myself that way. And I see things differently in terms of motivating myself in order to push myself. So I try to share that as much as, you know, stories, uh, basketball stuff. I think uh, we shared as much as we can. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
Oh, hold on. I got, I got a good one. It says, okay. from my guy, Bull, says, do you two find it challenging to team up or unite your efforts with other successful Africans to collectively champion and change um, everything that you dream about? Yes. Um, I agree. Yes, it's, it's, it's very difficult because, uh, I, and I said this earlier, I think everyone has a different uh, goal. And I think not, not that it's necessarily bad, but it's very hard to pull someone into your vision and what you're trying to do. Um, a lot of times that, uh, and I don't blame anyone for it, everyone is, is, is motivated and trying to make things happen with where they're mm -hmm. from, which is, is credit to them that, you know, they're going back and doing it to do something impactful, I think you have to agree and they're coming together and have a plan for it. And it's very hard with the schedule. Um, first, if guys really want to make a difference and want to be involved, they got something that's already going on. Um, and you have something that's going on. So it's very hard. When you guys come together, uh, it's the ultimate goal. Like I always said, doing the school in Ghana or being part of the school in Ghana with Fuse, uh, working with other artists, uh, spending time to go to other countries to do basketball camps. I was looking at uh, pictures the other day, my old pictures, and I even forgot that I'm in Cape Town uh, with, uh, with uh, uh, basketball for, no, Hope for Basketball. Mm -hmm. and, uh, right, yeah, and we did that, and I, and I even forgot I was in Tanzania. So it's really finding you know, a group of people that have time to do other things beside what they're doing. Because at the end of the day, you want to encourage guys to do things from where they're from. Um, everyone is facing different challenges. Coming together got to be a collective effort, but it is hard. It is hard, right? You agree? Uh, it, it definitely is, man. And I think I tip my hat to you because there's one thing that you've always done. And first of all, I have to shout out the man, the myth, the legend that is Amadou Gallo Ford just joined us. So got a... Uh, uh, oh, damn. Amadou just joined. I got a... Amadou. Hey, I got I got Amadou's a charge. In the I got... I got to charge my phone for this one. My phone was dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amadou's in the building, man. He's largely responsible for any African player you see in the NBA. He's had some sort of influence or input in their career, especially mine, for sure. Um, you know, love the dude to death and, you know, would do anything for him. Uh, in regards to your question, uh, I've tipped my hat to you because I remember you're always, like, you're always trying to bring people together. You're always trying to bring um especially african players we want to bring them together because you know like together we're much stronger and we have uh and it's like this if you're like this a slap is less hard is not as impactful as a punch and that's not me being the impressive guy that i was on the court you slap somebody it doesn't hurt as much you punch them you'll knock them out so, so when, we're, when we're like this we're better when we're like this we're not as strong so so it's always better to be a fist and so, you know, it is difficult. But again, one thing Luau has always done, man, he told me he wanted to do something in Ghana, but he said he refused to do anything in Ghana without me being involved. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta respect people who look to be inclusive in everything they do and every approach that they take. And, you know, it's definitely um, difficult to do it but again it's an uphill battle you have to be able to work with people who want to do something um it won't be difficult when you meet the right person <laughs> it won't be difficult when you meet the right person and their your your goals are aligned if they have the same 
goals as you and want to achieve the same things, then they're already going to be uh, along. They're already going to follow you in, in, in that path. So I definitely want to, um, you know, want to continue to corral people. And it's funny that Amadou just got on the call, got on the, the live, you know, where we're in the process of trying to figure out the best way to collectively do something to make sure we can help the continent because the African countries are not the Western world. They're not the Europe or the UK or America. If this, if this situation, if this COVID-19 situation or this pandemic gets out of hand in Africa, it's going to be an issue and it's going to be a problem. And so we have to try and use our influence and our reach to, to touch everybody to understand that we have to take this really seriously. You know, we really want to do that and we're going to figure it out and we're going to find the best way to, to touch every each of the 54 countries in Africa and make sure that um, um, where we, we use our influence for good. Hey, Gallo's just letting you know. Amadou's letting you know. You try to shortcut his time. He's been logged on the whole time. <laughs> Nothing Yo, been about uh, you, man. about, you know. Yo, listen, my 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 swag might change a little bit because I gotta hold my phone. My battery's dying, so you You're know. From so, South London, your swag. Excuse my. Nah, I don't know. Swag about you in the first place, bro. I should hold it like. <laughs> no, but <laughs> yo, this charger. I can't put the phone down. But uh, now this is a good question. It says, um, "What's the biggest challenge when it comes to convincing mm -hmm. government?" Uh, basically to, to support whatever you're doing by, you know, funding the project. So I like this question a lot because I do want to bring it up because for me, you know, right now it's, it's, it's a crucial time in, in, I mean, it always been important in life, but right now it's really important that we have to support the governments that are making a difference. Um, and when I mean, what I mean by that is government that's for the people. Uh, when you see governments that are doing things in Africa that are actually changing uh, countries in Africa and changing the life of many other African countries. We're looking at it and we want the same thing. Uh, we have to be vocal about it and speak about those countries that are leading the way for not only for our government, whatever you're from, to understand, you know, what direction we're trying to go, but for us to come together and understanding that it can be, it can happen, you know, voicing other governments are doing the right things, not only puts an awareness out, but you alert people to know that it's possible. This, this can be done. We live in a time where leadership is very, very important. And I think supporting things that not only changes the country, the continent, but individual lives, um, it impacts uh, that, you know, uh, it makes, it's, it's really important. So for me, I think, understanding that it's not going to be a smooth ride and dealing with are you are you throwing up no man my dishwasher was making noises i have to turn off you just reach your dishwasher from there are you in the kitchen seven one wingspan bro you know that stop it uh man's in the corner <laughs> all right yo so <laughs> you always making me laugh, man. What did I, I do? You asked me random, where I was. I do random things, man. <laughs> you can hear that beeping. Nah, I told you, man, I'm, my, my arm's tired. Um, nah, but honestly, it's, it's, it's understanding that dealing with the government is not going to be smooth. It's not going to be easy. Uh, some some countries, some people are very lucky to, to get their government to be on board right away, and that's having a leadership that knows what's going on. But 
it's it takes a lot to convince a government of what you're trying to do because a lot of government they want to see it uh they want to see it done first in order to believe it uh but governments also got to go away from giving opportunities to people that they know or they just related to uh you got to give opportunities to people that are qualified and are actually doing it it doesn't make sense when you see millions and millions of dollars going for um just the road uh you know from i don't know from your house to your neighbor's house and that's like five, six million for just that road. And then you look at it, you're like, yo, who did this? And the money's gone. You know, so there's a lot of things. It's, it's a lot of things that got to change. But in order to get it done, like we said earlier, uh, it's understanding that it's not going to be easy. You have to push the government in order to get it done. It might take a while, but, you know, while you're doing your things on the side, you still have to approach the government in, um, in order to for it to sustain and for it to last. So. Can you do me a favor? So when you ask the question, if you give it like 30, 40 seconds, I read it. And whenever I answer, shout out to my guy, Jeffrey. Whenever I answer, I'm going to put the question in my answer. But when you leave it up there, the, the women get mad that they can't see my face. So I'm going to need you to move the question away so that I can give the people what they want. That's whatever. So The, the, the women. His women, yeah. So I'm moving this because you want the women to see. I don't want to. It's what they want. It's not what I want. It's what they want. I'm a man of the people. So basically, the women want you want to see your face. They don't want to listen to you. They just want to. Well, I mean, it, what, I'm what, sure they just want to listen. I mean, well, whatever the so, reason is, whatever the reason is, they listening to this live. Just, just, just give them what they want. Is what I'm saying. So how do I make the your screen just a question? I'm Why would you want my screen to be just a question? Because it's about the people, not just the women. I want to give all the people. Exactly. They, women are part of the people. Women are equal that's, to, you know. That's what I'm saying. So we got to give everyone what they want. So I think it's only taking a small part of the screen. So I should move it up to, like, your nose. No, you got to move it. You're lucky I can't move it. Move the thing from the screen. Because they can't see my Look, shirt and they can't it see It really my... doesn't move. I can't even make it big. Yes, make it. No. Oh, shoot. Next I made my... <laughs> You see me zooming? All right, all right, all right. Let me move it. Let me move it. All, all right. right. Go ahead. They can see. I'm they can see right. you with the dishwasher. <laughs> so for me, um, uh, hold on, man. My arms. What was the question again, bro? Oh, you just told me to move it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> man, forgot the question. You know. <laughs> the question was, how do you get the governments to to fund oh, okay. the projects that you're doing? Or oh, actually, no, no, let me put the question back up. Taco, hey, man like Taco Ford just entered. <laughs> Taco Ford, baby. Big man, what's up, fam? You good? Man. Yo, um, Taco, man. Yo. <laughs> anyway. That's a good kid right there, man. <laughs> Great. I kid. love that guy, man. That's a good kid, man. Um, no, nah, nah, nah. I'm, I'm being honest with you, though. That kid has got some wild in him, man. He came to... They played us this year, and he destroyed us. He damn near had a triple-double. And after the game, everybody wanted to meet him. And, you know, we meet up. I start talking to him. I was like, man, they're screaming your name. Like, you mind taking a couple pictures? And he looked at me, and he was like, man, say less. And goes over there and takes pictures with, like, three, 400 kids, man. It was insane. So he's got a bright future. You know, keep it going, man. Definitely appreciate it. But in regards... I got a story. I got a story. <laughs> we went to... When we were in Senegal, we went to uh, when, to I was the, when we went to meet the president. 
Oh, I was. I didn't go to the president. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. We we went. Amadou took us to meet the president with uh, Commissioner uh, Adam Silver and me, Taco, and a bunch of other players. Matombo. Oh, I remember this. <laughs> Matombo, Taco, Matombo was there, so we all went right. So we go. Uh, I'm talking to Taco the whole time. You know, Taco's nervous. He's about to meet the president of Senegal, and we get there, and I don't know what happened. Somehow. Um, you know, whoever was supposed to, we get interviewed, we get interviewed as a group and <laughs> I'm laughing before I say the thing, but we get interviewed as a group and somehow we're supposed to have, yeah, my battery, I'm sorry, but we're supposed to have someone translating, right? But we couldn't find them. So I old people. Uh, they look around. They look around, and Taco's next to me. Taco's nervous because he realized. <laughs> yeah, but Taco realized he's the only one in the group that can translate. What's going on? Yo, and then Taco translate till today. I don't think he translated what they were saying. But afterward, Taco turns to me and goes, "Bro, it's my first time to meet the president, and they're making me translate on TV." <laughs> this shit was hilarious, man. But anyway, shout out to um, Tommy, man. Great kid. But um, yeah, man. It's uh, for me. Here's the difficulty: we, we we're doing our camp, and you know, we we have the sign up. We have the, 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 we went through Ticketmaster to do a sign up for the kids to come, and I was getting messages. I was getting messages like a couple of days before the camp to say, "Hey, can you call my mom and dad?" I was like, what? He's like, can you call my mom and dad? Because they don't believe that this sport is a good use of my time. And it's crazy because my mom and dad were the exact same way. They never understood what basketball was going to do. And so they was like, why are you wasting your time with this? And even though they introduced me to the game, whenever it was going to take me away from church or school, they were not trying to hear it. So... Um, there's these kids in Ghana who really love the game who are going to come from hours away to just, you know, be a part of this camp that their parents... That their parents... Um, <laughs> that their parents... Bro, I'm giving... Would allow them, huh? I'm, gi I'm giving my phone a break to charge real quick. Just two minutes. <laughs> Just, just two minutes. So, so their parents wouldn't allow them to come to the camp. And so they were asking me that basically if I called their parents, their parents would allow them to come to the camp. And that, and that mindset goes all the way to the top, all the way to the president. They, don't, they didn't really understand that basketball, what basketball could grant to these players, what basketball has done for me and for guys, for guys like yourself. In Africa, if it's not a sport that... Um, if it's not a sport that, if it's not something that they can see the light at the end of the tunnel, then they're not going to want to invest in it or be a part of it. And so I think that's one of the biggest issues with um, the government. To this day, they just, it's, it's, it, when I say ignorance, I mean it in the purest form. I mean it that they just don't know or understand. When I met, I met with the Minister of Sport and Education and I met with the President, when I walked in, they, they were for sure that I was from Senegal or somewhere else. They, didn't, they knew I wasn't from Ghana. And when I told them my name and where I was from, they were like, wow, there's a Ghanaian that tall? I was like, yeah. And I played in the NBA. 
and I had a successful career playing basketball. Now it's time to give back and give these kids the opportunity to play the sport too. And it's going to take some convincing, but I, can, I feel like, you know, I know we'll have the influence and be able to see the results of our camps, what we're trying to do, and what basketball can grant, um, can grant for other for, for players of a younger generation. It doesn't have to be just making it to the NBA. Basketball people's lives. Basketball um, brings out your personality. Like I said, I didn't know I was a leader until I started playing the game, until I started playing the um, uh, team sport. And shout out to, to my homegirl, Bo, who's the one that facilitated the meeting with the president. And once I got in there, I was like, look, I'm six foot nine, I play basketball. It took me to the NBA and it brings me in front of me today. How do I grant those same opportunities for a younger generation? So how do I do that? And I want to do that. I need to do that. It's my responsibility to do that. Please help us in doing so. So I think, you know, it was a, it was a step in the right direction. There's still a lot more work to do, but we have the air. We have the, we have the influence and the ability to change that narrative. And we have to continue to fight because it's on us. We don't want to get 10 years from now and say, hey, we tried. No, we have to do it. There's no trying. For me, there was no trying to get to the NBA. I had to do it. I had to make it. That's it. And that's how I looked at life. And that's how I look at this path too. I have to do. We have to do. Okay? And that's that's just how I see it. Dope. This is a good question. Um, basically, mm -hmm. who, uh, who inspired you growing up? Um, and, you know, what did you learn from them that you tried to implement or add into, apply into your daily life? Go, what? No, go ahead. Um, go ahead and go. What's wrong with I, you? No, no, I leave, I leave no, the ahead, question. Go ahead, I leave the, go ahead, bro. I leave the question up. Um, not, not just because I'm trying to hide you or anything, but uh, I think it's important for people to see it as we speak. When you go, then I'll take it down so they see you. Uh, is that a good compromise? Or when you, you go, though, they're not really paying attention to you. They're looking at me. So I'm I should take it off. So I should take it off now. If, you, if you're a man of the people and want to give the people what they want, you should probably I, take it off now. I think what we learned today is, is Pops really likes to right, so. give the people what they want. I'm a man of the people. You, you, you like looking at yourself. No, I don't. Right now you're, you're looking through because you're trying I'm to... looking see. at the comments. And I'm seeing okay, the let comments. Me, let me, let me take it. Face. No, no, let me take it down because it really bothers you. Don't, don't try don't try and flip the script on me, bro. That's not what, what you, we're looking to do here, bro. Yo, what do you do again? You put the thumb up for the thing to go down? <laughs> yeah. I, I got it. I got it. I got it. My bad. Uh, what was the question again? See, that's what I mean. So uh, The question that, was. People that influence and how do you add yeah. that into your life? Uh, there's, there's a lot of people that influence you. I think that uh, my parents are a big influence in my life. Uh, I think that you try to take the best of a lot of people that come into your life and try to apply it into how you could, you know, learn from that. I think that, you know, my parents always kept uh, the culture. Um, they kept the belief. They kept, you know, the love within a family in their own way. Uh, that it doesn't seem that necessarily, especially when you're young. Uh, I was very lucky to to grow up in, in, in a home that everyone was close and everyone looked out for each other, that 
inspired me to to be who I am and and to care the way I care, you know, uh, for others and everything. So definitely my parents. But I think also for me, the way everything started uh, made up my mind in terms of um, I really believe that, you know, and and I always speak about it with Manute, me being blessed uh, by God for Manute to, to go to Egypt as a kid that, you know, was a refugee in Egypt and we had a community there. Uh, for Manute to, to, to happen to go as a vacation to go to Egypt and see the South Sudanese community. Um, you know, if that never happened, I, I don't think I would have fell in love with the game or I would have understood it or my brothers wouldn't have learned the game the right way. Uh, a vacation that he turned into from a week into months uh, because he believed in the kids that he was teaching. At the time, I was the youngest, so I always looked at my life as an opportunity that was given to me um, by, you know, someone else. He, he didn't have to do that. So I try to apply that into my life and the things that I'm doing today. Um, you know, now I believe that every opportunity that we give kids or the, when we help kids to go to college or get scholarship or any way that we can, it's not necessarily that I want them to be an NBA player. It's the doors that it opens to everything else that they could be. So. That's really, you know, I was inspired by that and I live my life by that. I know that, you know, we're talking about the government and funding. And I always tell people, don't don't try to measure what you're doing by what other people are doing. I think you try to measure what you're doing to get to the highest level or how well you can do it. But at the same time, don't underestimate the little things that you're doing. Uh, those can go a long way, you know, helping one kid. Uh, that could become something very, very impactful and do a lot of things maybe bigger than you ever done. It's, it's way bigger and way more important than you helping thousands and thousands of people. Uh, that one kid can end up being the one that's supposed to help those. So just do what you can. So I'm, I'm inspired by that and I try to live by that. Uh, so that's, that's really, you know, my answer to that. Um, man, it's, it's crazy, man, the way you look at it. I one of my uh, my childhood friends and one of the guys I started playing this game with, um, Jeffrey Danchi, man. When when you what, what I was saying earlier about the people who I tried to live, I I tried to allow my game them to live vicariously through my game. He's definitely one of them. When I was 12, 13 years old, we was on the same team playing for Joe and. The kid was special, man. Him and his brother, they were special, bro. Like they, like they had it, and I knew they were going. And when I got the opportunity to go to the the U.S. to go to school, I knew that there were other people who were deserving of an opportunity to to live out their dreams. And when Joe passed away, those opportunities went away. So I felt like the 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 burden was on me. The burden was on me to 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 live out you know, this, this, this story and to, to make it because they didn't get the opportunity to. And they're still, he's still my close friend to this day. You know, obviously you got my brother, you have Joe who influenced me from day one. You know, my dad who, my mom and dad who introduced me to the game and just thought they were giving me have to stay on the street. That, that turned into something that changed my whole life. You have um, Amadou who, I feel like he's one of the most selfless people when it comes to basketball. He could have probably, he, he would have been a president or a GM of a team 
as we speak right now, but he decided that the continent and Africa was more important and the success, um, the success of the game on the continent was more critical than him being successful. And so I look at him in that regard and I say my same path in regards to giving up the game to come onto the front office side, I looked at him. He's one of the people I looked at. Like, there's people who are GMs in this game who've been like, if, if Amadou, um, if Amadou had stayed along this path, he'd be a president, a very successful one in the NBA. And I, and I just decided to, um, like, when when my career ended, I was like, you know what? It's not about me anymore. Look what Amadou did. Look what Amadou was able to accomplish. Look what Amadou did for other people. It's about others. It's about when you're given, when you're given a lot, you have this responsibility, this social responsibility to give back. And that's exactly what I'm doing. So the people like my brother, like Jeffrey, like Stephen, like my family, like my parents, like yourself, who have influenced me to get to this point, I always look at them as influence allow me to understand and humble myself to the point where I'm like, you know what, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than basketball. It's about influencing and inspiring and empowering a younger generation. No, that's dope. Riley. We got um we got five minutes, but what you said is true, man. Look at uh since Amadou took uh took the job and people could go and look at it, since Amadou became, you know, uh the president of um, you know, basketball Africa, just what he's been doing for years before that. Um, look how many African players are in the NBA now. Uh, look how there's a league in the NBA. Look how people are talking about basketball and potential talent. Uh, so what Amadou has done, honestly, and you said it, he doesn't speak much about it, but I think that, um, and I, I always tell people, he's had the biggest impact um, in terms of uh, basketball in Africa uh, so far. And I'm saying that with all the respect to all the former players that inspired us, all the African players. But what Amadou is doing with the grassroots, it just shows that even if you don't play in the NBA for 10, 15 years or whatever, you can still make things that, you know, affects the game and influence uh, many generations to come. This changed the course of African basketball. And we look at it as, oh, yeah, it's just, you know, there's African players, whatever. Now, someone has to do it. And someone has to be followed, and their path has to be followed. And I think that's what Amadou's shown us. So shout out to Amadou. Man, uh, like Festus, what's up, bro? Festus, that's a guy who's joining late. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm Man, three minutes three minutes said, You say Ghanaians are late. Nigerians are worse than Ghanaians. They, they no. Anyway, so uh, we got four minutes. You, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you want to do something unprecedented? I can never say this word. No, I don't. Okay, of course not. Of course not. If lives were 10 minutes, Lou would be in heaven, okay? The fact that they're an hour apiece, he's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Let's cut it off. I feel like this can keep going. If you guys want this to keep going, let me know. Lou, I wants to get off. Let us know if you guys want to keep us to keep it going. It's supposed to be our last episode. Should we keep this going? People with a child, those people they are now. Hey, hey come on, man, pups. Um, you know. <laughs> I, you all want to keep it going? No. We can end it. We can end it in two and a half minutes, or should we keep this going? Should we keep give the people what they want or should we end it now and go about our business and end the dang 
Pops chat right now. Just let us know. Y'all got two minutes. Let me let us know. Uh, are you are you um, are you yes, getting Andrew. the are you getting the messages? I am. Yes. Something. Jeffrey said yes. Sure from Help South Sudan. Fire from Andrea. Benny is is always pointing the hands at come on Lou from Big Sis. Are you making these up? Because I'm not. Yeah. Keep it going. Keep it going from my man then from Hackney. Yeah. Rwanda. Okay. Yes. There's another yes, bro. I'm just saying. For the people. Yeah, but we have to come off and come. It's gonna come back when we come back. That's all I want to know. Just put it in the comments and that's it. So how long before we come back? You tell me. You probably have to go put some socks on or, or clean your ears out or something. Just something along those lines. Like which one? All right, uh, we. <laughs> I told you, man. You know, this is a new me. I, uh, listen. It's, it's supposed to be the last one. It's supposed to be the last one. All right, let's, no, let's no, go we'll out. Be, no, it's it's forty. Uh, it's fifty-eight right now. So we'll be back at uh, five oh one. Five oh one. Let me just get my tea. And, it's uh, about Levi jeans. Don't you have a pair of five oh ones? Isn't Lee jeans five oh one? I don't know. I don't wear jeans. Yeah, my man Stephen Murphy used to wear the bootcut joints, bro. 501 joints, man. That's how men used to move. I know Lou wasn't on it. Man was on the Paul Smith and the uh, the off-key Moschino. Allow others to join, too. That means one of us will have to go away. Huh? Allow others to join? You trying to do Zoom? Bro, you can only I have two we people just at took time. a minute. Uh, we're back at uh, 502. 502. Let's dance. All right. Yeah, I miss Chicago too. Shout out. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot to add uh, the goat killer. Oh, 
Felix, I see you, Felix. In fact, <laughs> in fact, I'll call you later. In fact. <laughs> hey. Um, Pops, go ahead, man. So we're back. Uh, what questions uh, do you no, want? No, I don't like what Eddie Caddy is doing. Eddie Caddy, you're Ghanaian, and you're going to come for me like that. How are you going to say that? I messed up one word, and now I don't know the words to the song. One, one word? I messed up one word. That what, when you were just singing, you messed up one word. One word, and Justin and Eddie came for me immediately. Sing it. Go ahead. Sing, sing the the, the thing. Oh, first of all, I don't no, sing, without it. First of all, fun. I don't sing for free. Second of all, you were just singing. I don't sing for, but I was singing along to the song. Now you're gonna ask me, make a request. That's not what it's about, bro. I'm not. I'm just no. I'm trying to get them to understand that you're right. <laughs> you know the words. It said that's the only word. <laughs> Eddie's mad because he's a short man. You are just a short man, okay? You are a small boy. Just a small boy, okay? That's it. Morley's. Is that... Wait, Morley's is not chicken. No, that's 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 uh, Bagel King. Chicken Escalop is Bagel King, right? I can't believe you just said that. You uh, you, you just... You don't know the difference between... No, I said Chicken Bagel Escalop King is Bagel King. I wasn't saying it was Morley's. So why did you say Morley's? Because somebody just wrote Morley's on there when we yeah, go to Morley's again. And I was yeah. like, nah. I was like, man understands that Chicken Escalop is Bagel King. But you don't, you, you never used to go to Morley's. I'm from Tottenham, bro. Why would I be in Morley's? What's that got to do with anything? I just said, do you go to. No, I don't Morley's. go to Morley's. There's not a Morley's in Tottenham. There is yeah, but you just stay in Tottenham. You don't go like anywhere else. Oh, how many times have you been to Tottenham, fam? I don't go to Tottenham. You just said the same thing I did. But I go other places. Like, it's not like Morley's is only in one place. It's not like I said, yo, do you go to Brixton? And you said, no, nah, I don't go there. Where so else then, do you go other there's than... Morley's in other places. Where, did, where else do you go other than Crofton and, and Croydon and Brixton? Them dead, them dead ends right there, bro. Tixies. Look at what Justin said. Morley's is only in South London, my man. Exactly. So why South would I London, know South it? London, I only is, not go just, there if South London is not just Brixton. There's Morley's all in South London. Right, but I'm from North London. If it's not Hackney or if it's not Tottenham, man, no. Bro, you were telling that. the story about playing basketball in Brixton. So you yeah, because like, I had to. Like, I had you could have went to Morley's. You could have went to Morley's. No, no, right. But when I went, when I went to South London, what was the record shop that we used to go to, bro? I didn't go. I don't. I never used to go. Because them some dead ends right there. So I, I would only stay in North London. That's it. All right. All right. All right. So, yeah. So back with uh, back with questions. Morley's questions. We're taking all questions. All type of question. All type of bread. All type of... Hey, I have white bread. Yeah, look, bread. Brown bread. <laughs> all right. Come on. Too tall, uh, Colonel. Eddie, yo, you have to get Eddie Caddy on the live, yo. That guy is a different brother right there, man. He's the funniest and the best dancer I know. And he's he's short, but my man is is special, bro. Man, definitely special, you know. But respect to my man. I found the pictures of us with Eddie Cuddy uh, in Ghana oh, uh, the other day. Yeah. <laughs> they had us playing football with a basketball. dribbling <laughs> with a basketball. I, um... Pops, you have any questions on your end? 
Um, ooh, someone said, are there any plans on that the diaspora practically contributing contributing to the uh, Pan Afro Link Network project? For the Pan Afro Link, was that uh, how how can we connect the diaspora with it? Yeah, people who want to be involved or want to connect, how do they connect? You know, I've been not okay. Just uh, mixing the the, the Pan Afro Link. I, I really been trying to brainstorm. Uh, hold up, Lou. I'm sorry. One of my boys and dudes I used to hoop with just said I'm looking old at each cast. You know what? Go ahead. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna take the Michelle Obama approach and I'm gonna go high because he still can't guard me, so it does not matter. Go ahead, Luke. I'm sorry. No, nah, so um, wine cup. I think I think that uh, with with the question about connecting the diaspora, I, I've been trying to really brainstorm a lot of different ways in how do you, or how how do you get the diaspora or people involved in things that um, we're trying to do back home? Because I know a lot of people want to be involved. Um, why are you pointing? Somebody said, "Where do they send the questions?" Oh, to the question mark, yeah. Question. Uh, yeah, so just been trying to brainstorm different ways of how do you get people involved, and it's, it's very difficult. It's, it's really hard because there's a lot of things that, you know, you individually want to do, but it's also sometimes you're trying to start projects that are not necessarily guaranteed. Uh, so it's kind of, it's hard sometimes to, unless you have something going and it's, and it's guaranteed in order for people to get involved or invest. And also you know, how secure and how safe it is to, to allow people to join in. That's just, you know, me brain trying to brainstorm different things. With the Pan-AfroLink, we spoke a lot about bringing in interns and how do we get people involved. The one thing that, you know, we did improve on every year is when people come in, they're leaving their information and their business contact and what they're good at and their craft, and we're trying to get people to connect. So alone uh, showing up at the Pan-AfroLink event, there's ways to connect with people even after the event. Uh, to be involved, um, we've been trying to brainstorm different ways and how do we get people involved because this is a weekend or a one-day event that's happening, you know, once or twice a year, you know. So it's how do we brainstorm it? And we're looking at different channels in terms of how can we make it a yearly thing? How can we make people interact uh, consistently uh, because we've had a great following and people have been asking a lot of questions. So it's definitely something that, you know, in the future we want to find ways to get people involved, especially the diaspora and different countries that we're going to. Um, smooth and melanated, that's a great question. They said, um, y'all need to talk about how African-Americans and Africans can come together and see other um, as one black people, even though there are cultural differences. For me, I've been a big um, believer of this. Like, I've never been a big fan of the term African-American. I think all black people uh, are one and the same to an extent. We just have different backgrounds where, yes, we may be from, Luau's from South Sudan, I'm from Ghana. But to me, he's no different than I am. Somebody from South Carolina, somebody from New York, is no different um, to me than somebody from Kumasi or somebody from Juba. We really, um, I really, I'm really big on integration. I'm really big on uh, working together. I really feel like we're all one and the same. You know, where especially Black people, if you if you look at the year of return, it's talking about 400 years ago, 
the first slave was taken from West Africa. And that's how Afri the, Af the term African-American came about. Because the first slave was taken from West Africa and they were brought to the to United States. And then that's where all uh, the culture of African-America comes, comes, comes into fruition. So what I'm saying is we're not separate as a people. Everybody's going to have their own opinion. But for me personally, we're all one, one people when it comes to black people. So all from Af we all originated from Africa and we're all one people. So, so when you come back to places like Ghana, anywhere in Africa, this is your homeland. You just have to be um, open and embracing to the, um, to, the, to the culture that you're trying to learn about. It's a new culture. Your, your history didn't start in slavery. African history started in Africa. <laughs> you understand? So you have to understand that and you have to embrace that. And obviously, the same goes for the, the people in Africa, too. We have to embrace them as Africans also. Otherwise, they're not going to feel welcome. You come to Ghana, you're going to feel welcome. You're going to feel like this is your home and you're one of, and this is, this is where you belong. And that's how people have to approach it. And that's how I've always been. When people ask what's it like in Africa, come home. You know how many people I ran into at, at Christmas that were like, I'm changing my flight, I'm staying longer, I'm, I'm moving here, this is my home. But, uh, but Daryl, I hear what you're saying. They say some people don't accept people in Africa. They do. They do. It's just that there's been so much divide for the longest that now this generation has to create a bridge. A, a bridge that brings us together. You bring us together as a people, as this generation, and then moving forward, they're not going to look at Africa as another world or a different place. They're going to look at Africa as another home and as a place of solace and a place of, 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 of where they can, where they can, where they can feel like their own. You come to, you come to Africa, you're going to see billionaire people that look just like you. You're going to see black excellence in its, in, in tenfold. You understand what I'm saying? So come there and embrace that, but you have to be embracing too when we're, when we're over here and so on and vice versa. So it, it's, it, it, it's bigger than that for sure, man. You definitely have to, to understand that, man. It's, it's, it's big. Man. I think, yeah, no, that's a great question. And you made all good points. I would add to that. I think that... Let me get my headphones. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I really believe that there's a lot of teaching that has to be involved in, you know, connecting the dots. And that goes back a lot to, you know, our history being told the right way, I think is really important. And I think that, I think there's, uh, uh, people are not being led the right way in terms of, I always talk about one Africa. And I think we need to go back into really understanding first where the names came from and how Africa was divided up. And when you understand that, you understand everything about the history of Africa and what we were before slavery. Uh, with that being said, I think for me, my experience, a lot of times I, you know, my African-American friends or people that I talk to, a lot of times when we talk about going back to Africa or how do you get involved with Africa, people are caught up in where exactly am I from in Africa, trying to find out exactly where they're from. See, this was done purposely. Uh, what you don't understand is Africa was one to begin with. So while you go back and try to find out exactly where you're from, pinpoint where you're from exactly, you end up trying to research and find a way of 
I'm exactly from here, I'm from Ghana, or I'm exactly from Nigeria. No, these are lines that they made up while they were slaving us. So you're not necessarily from there. And a lot of people were taken and brought to different areas and then shipped away, right? And now they want to talk about uh, DNA and testing that we're people that moved around depending on the weather and the cattle and food and water for years and years and years to come. So we want people to begin with. So you're, a lot of times we caught up trying to look back and here you are saying, oh, I'm going to go do my DNA. I'm from here. I'm from here. And then you go somewhere and you, let's say you're from anywhere in Africa, you go there and you find yourself not liking it or not involved or not connected. And you just, canceling the rest of Africa. It's a big continent, you know, so understanding and connecting with the people as, as one people, not as just one region that they're telling you uh, you're necessarily from. That's one. Two is both sides learning what's going on. You know, we've been used to, 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 uh, to, to, to just be misled in stories that are not necessarily true. I've, I've come across so many stories of people talking about uh, Africans were the one catching Africans and giving them up. First of all, there's nowhere in the world there was no fights and, and, and small conflicts of, um, you know, tribes fighting. If you came up to a tribe and you told them that, you know, I'm going to help you win this by giving you guns, you would take them and you would fight, but you didn't necessarily understand what they were doing with the people. You know, if we had social media back then and we were, you know, following each other and you're seeing people being taken as slave, I bet you it would have been a different mindset. Uh, than what is being told. And for Africans, we're always been told that America is great or Europe is great. We, uh, me growing up, I didn't know that black people were struggling. I didn't know that black people were going through discrimination. I looked at it as they left Africa, they're in a better situation because that's the story that was being told by the media. That's not necessarily true. There's people in America and people in, uh, in Europe that are struggling more than a lot of Africans that are living at home. And also there's a lot of, you know, retelling the story that needs to be done in order for the connection to be there. But it's something that takes time and people have to speak, you know, on it more often. We caught up a lot of times with, and I sometimes it's necessary, we caught up in jokes and, you know, going by what's approved um, as the true story or who's telling it. That's a lot of people out there, information that you could find out about people that are speaking the truth. And that's how you start connecting the dots and being more interested in actually finding out the truth. So, you know, for me, that's really where the misconnection is between Africans and African-American, you know, and even Afro-Latin. All across the world, Black people are being discriminated and being told sure. different stories for years. And that's fear out of, you know, the rise or the power that we can have if we ever had unity and actually know the true stories. So it's a lot of work to be done, but I think first understanding that we're one people is, is the start of it. And, and that goes to Africans too. African understanding that, you know, it's one Africa also. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that would take years, but a lot of people, Marcus Garvey spoke about this for years. You know, we had leaders that come and try to teach us the right way and look what happened to them. We have to understand why that was happening, so. That's a, that's a great point. And I see in some of the comments, you know, this, this topic, really touches some people and it um you know it's, it's a sensitive subject but again i think as a generation where we're riddled with the task to bring people and uh us as a people together you you, you can't continue to have the same mindset as we did before yes we were discriminated against yes we've been we were downtrodden but again 
now that we have come to, 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 to light now and, you know, we've got our independence and it's time to move forward and time to be progressive in, in our approach, we have to look at uniting. We can't look at people who would look just like us as the enemy. That is not the case. That is not the case whatsoever. When, again, when I said before, it's ignorance in its purest form. If you don't know what your history is, then you just don't know. But you have to be willing and welcoming and embracing um, of that history. You can't just look at it and be like, you know what, they're Africans. You know how many times me being over here, I was looked at it just as a um, as an African. If if I'm in a car with an African American and I'm and us two are sitting there and we get pulled over by a cop, do you think they see an African and an African American? No, they see two black people in the car. Plain and simple. So in in that regard, we're one and the same. And that's how you that's how you have to approach it. You can't be you can't be um, ex, um, excluding in regards to the other people who look just like you. Yes, they have different backgrounds and different cultures, but again, we are one and the same, man. We are one and the same. Trust me, Luau and I, we're walking down the street, you're going to see two black men walking. You're not going to see a South Sudanese and a Ghanaian man, okay? The same way you're going to look at somebody from Philly and somebody from New York. They, yes, they're two from two different backgrounds, but they're still black. They're still African-American. We're still one and the same. So until us until we collectively understand that and want to come together as a people, it's gonna con this cycle is gonna continue. We're, we're, we're still we're one and the same, man, and we have to be we have to embrace each other. Like you have to understand, growing up here, people looked at like even 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 my my own side of things. I've seen people understand that. What's up, um, bets? I've seen people look at me and like, okay, I'm African. So I'm going to keep that person away from me. But, or I've seen them as they're West Indian or they're Caribbean or they're American, that I want nothing to do with them. And as I grew up older and I had more, um, I got more knowledge and understanding of everything that was going on, I couldn't exclude those people. I can't tell them not to come to Africa. This is their home. They just have to understand that um, this is what it is. But we also have to be embracing of that too. Yes, there's been a period where um, African-Americans looked at Africans as like a separate race or a separate people to them. It's a different culture, but we're, one in the, we're still one and the same and vice versa. And until both sides see it as, um, see us as that, it's going to continue. And, I, and, and again, the burden is on us. The burden is us as the people and as a generation to figure out how we bring Afro-Latinas African-Americans, everybody of African descent together, together. Remember what I said, this and this, we have to figure out how to do it together. And until we do that, it's just gonna keep continue. No, that's true. It's, it's definitely also, uh, I wanna add, it's, it's important that you connect with people uh, because of their mindset. Uh, and what I mean by that is, and uh, I, I truly mean this and I learned it just, you know, in life with a lot of things, but it's people, it's a lot of people that will look like you, uh, but their mindset is not like you or they're mm -hmm. not on the same page. And there's a lot of people that might not look like you, but their mindset is the same as you. So it's, it's really important. Obviously we educate people, but with what you're saying pops, I think that, you know, be, being thoughtful and, and, and understanding that, you know, a lot, some people might look a certain way, uh, but until you prove to me your mindset and what you believe, um, you know, it, it's, it's what it's really about. There's people that, 
you know, I thought we we on the same boat, uh, but their minds <laughs> ain't, ain't the same. You know what I mean? So it's, that definitely doesn't move forward. And that comes with teaching, educating. But at the mm. same time, you have to understand that there is some people that might look like you, but they're not interested in what you're trying to do. And there's people that might not look like you, but they honestly believe and a hundred percent in what you do. And for us, it's, it's understanding, you know, who's with you and who's not with you. And I don't mean that, you know, you have to just get along with this and that. No, it's, it's, it's your behavior and your understanding of moving forward on who's got the same beliefs and thoughts as you. So. Yeah. My brother and I know Angela Rice says this often, like not all skin folk is kin folk. Not everybody that looks like you has the same, um, what's up wisdom has the same, mindset and the same approach to life that you do um and you have to understand that but until everybody um is is aligned in their thinking you know we we, we have to continue trying i think it's something that that's not that is um an ongoing process we can't allow um the ignorance um and i don't say that in the purest form the ignorance of the people who don't care to learn the ignorance of the people who don't want to receive the the history or understand that we look alike, that we're still one in the same. Those the ignorance of those people, we can't allow them to 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 take us off the beaten path or take us off our our common goal. You know what I'm saying? Because you and I could easily be I could easily be like, well, he's from South Sudan, I'm from Ghana. Why should I Why should I look at him any different? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It takes as long to get from Ghana to Johannesburg as it does from Ghana to Washington, D.C. You know what I'm saying? So why is it that, you know, I look at somebody in Kenya the same way, um, but I don't look at somebody in Washington, D.C. equally? Just because they're not from the same land, land mass or continent as I am. And luckily, uh, you had the logic and we've had the logic and wherewithal to embrace that and receive the information and, and do the right thing with it. If we understand that, hey, okay, I may not be African-American, but these are still my people. These are people, I still relate to them in that regard. Because I've, I've gotten, and this is a story that when we were supposed to do random stories and um, questions, this is a story that just happened to me. I was in Florida. You know what's crazy? We saw each other at the AAU National, Nationals in, in Orlando. Remember that? It was my senior year. It was your junior year. And you was playing for the New Jersey Devils. I was playing for Philadelphia Elite. And we ran into each other. The night before, I got pulled over. By it, was, it was New Jersey Demons. Just, just Demons, Devils. My mother would say it's wrong. Yeah, but I'm just saying, there's it's, it's Duke, Blue Devils. Why am I playing for Devils and Demons? Exactly. Like, What's wrong with you, bro? That's why you only stayed one year each time. Why is, why is their names after that anyway? Why is I don't there... understand that. Yeah, they don't anyway. look at it the same way as we do. If I had told my mom I was going to Duke, she would never have allowed me to go to a, a school that's called the Blue Devils. So instead, we went, I went to a school called the Coronials. Coronials, okay. And so, um, <laughs> and so for me, um, I remember talking to you, and it was like, we're, we're at this AU tournament, and we're like, yo, we're going to play this game, blah, blah, blah. What you didn't know, the night before, we got pulled over by a cop. It was me and the head coach. We went to Waffle House to eat. We went to Waffle House to eat, and I got pulled over by a cop randomly for no reason whatsoever. And he has his in handcuffs behind my back. I'm petrified. I'm so scared I didn't understand or know exactly what was going on. 
And he was like, what's wrong with him over there? He looks kind of squirrely. I remember like it was yesterday. And I'm like, I've never been pulled over by a cop. And I know how cops treat black people. He didn't see an African. He didn't see an African-American. He saw two black people in a car. And I got pulled over. I was in handcuffs the night before we, we played in, in the, the AU National Championship. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying. We can't continue to look at each other different. Whereas the people who oppress us and the people who uh, keep trying to, to, to hold us down look at us as one and the same. So until we start looking at each other and start feeling sorry for ourselves, we have to start embracing each other and feeling like we're, we're collective in our approach. Just did that. See, see, so that just negates everything I say when you pick up an Arsenal cup. Like, what the hell? I told you, man, I'm not doing the Arsenal thing anymore. Why did you teach? Why did you show the cup then? Get a plain cup. You haven't Which watched you? that cup since you, since the first episode. No, it's my favorite cup. You haven't watched it though. It's dirty. How do you know that? Just because you were sitting next to the washing machine. Dishwasher. The dishwasher. Whatever you're sitting. I'm saying I know you haven't watched it because I because I know you left it there. You say you do your own laundry, but I think that's BS. No, you no, that's not true. I watched it. You watched it personally? Yes, I wash it and I and I do my laundry too. Oh, get the hell out of here! What? Get the hell out of here! Bet you don't believe that. There's no way you wash your you do your laundry and wash your cup because I'm gonna tell you right now, I haven't done laundry, I haven't done I haven't washed the dish, I have washed the dish, but I I've refused to want to do it since I was about 15 years old, just because of the way I grew up. Wait, so you don't do your laundry? I do laundry. I live by myself, so I do laundry. So what are you saying? I don't get it. So you don't, don't do your laundry? I don't care to do it. I don't. Yeah, I, I, but I, you... I live by myself. I don't have some. But the same when did I say? When did I say I can't wait to do my laundry? Like I'm excited about it. It's not something that I want to do. So hand to God, you do your own laundry. Yes. Why? Okay. This is this is oh, a better question. This is a better there question. Why do you think I don't do my own laundry? Because you're Michael Dane. No, but is it like, do I have a lifestyle that makes you think yeah. I don't do? Yeah. So that's so that's why, because of my lifestyle. No, because there was a time where I was like, I refuse to do wash wash dishes or do my own laundry, because I grew up that way. There was a time when my mom and dad wouldn't let me outside because they wanted me to iron bed sheets and and linen outfits. If anybody has ironed linen before, you know it takes as long as it does to, to iron a bed sheet. If anything, look, hold on, hold on. Let me, if anything, right? Um, if anything, I would say when I was home, when I lived at home, when I was younger, I didn't do my laundry. How? What? I didn't have to. Why? Because my sisters and my mom, they just, they're so nice. They, they took care of me. It was oh, like a family. It was a family thing. Yeah, it's, it's just how I was raised. But now I hate it because I have to do it. But I do it, but it's not like something so that I want to do. Like you're, you're making it seem like I woke up. I woke up today and I was just like, "Yo, this is hey, it's laundry day today. I can't wait to do my laundry." No, bro. The question is, your question should be: When I do my laundry, do I separate colors? That should be the question. You know what? My when you do your laundry, do you put the correct socks with each other? Is the question. That's what I told you. That's why I don't look at the socks. I just, yo, when I do my laundry, I don't care. I throw them all in there. 
Listen, after everything goes in there, it's, hey, one wash and I'm out. Dryer, set it. Yo, we out. I ain't got time to separate off. Oh, these one, nah, fam. They're just, <laughs> squeeze it in there, turn it on, bro. <laughs> the worst, the worst is when you, the worst is when you start your laundry and you forget about it. And then you come back and you're like, damn, it's been sitting there for an hour. I gotta rewash it. <laughs> The biggest, see, I don't mind doing my laundry. I hate folding though. I hate folding my laundry. So literally, I have a whole room of of old laundry and underwear and socks and stuff that I, I refuse to fold. If I look for socks, I go in there and I find a pair, left foot and right foot, and I put them together I, and I wear them. Hey, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm I'm sorry. I have to share this story, but I don't even know if I should share it. Oh, uh, I've got a story too. Go ahead, yo. You know. Things, things when we were younger that I don't understand today, right? So I'm going to give you a few things that what we had to do when we were younger that I don't understand today. Right. And I swear to God, this is no lie. I remember when my dad was uh, home, my mom used to do the whole house laundry, right? And my mom made sure when I was ironing clothes, till today, I don't know why. She yes, made many. sure, she made sure, and my dad made sure that I ironed his underwear. No, yeah. my friend, no. That's standard, bro. My, That's standard. My question, what are you talking about? My question today is, why the hell did I iron the underwear? <laughs> what? Fam, I used to iron bed sheets. Why am I ironing bed sheets? No, nah, bed sheets I understand, fam. Why are you ironing bed sheets? You're going to put nah, it on nah. the bed and you're going to bed. That's it, bro. No, no, why sometimes the bed sheet, nah, sometimes the bed sheet be wrinkled, bro. You, you want it to be smooth. So what does it matter? You're going to put a comforter or a duvet on top of it. What nah, it bro, it just doesn't look right. When you, when you iron the bed sheet, it's smooth, bro. Yo, silky smooth, especially when it's red. Yo, it'd be smooth. Anyway, anyway, this is too much. But no, I used to iron my pops. It's the truth. Yo, that doesn't but, yo, surprise me. But if you me. rushed it, if you rushed it and you missed the spot, you have to, you have to go it. back. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, friend. That's why, like, <laughs> that's why, I, <laughs> like, I was growing up and I was just starting to, I was falling in love with the game. I was playing basketball. I was like, I can't wait to go to the park and hoop. And I would tell my dad, I'm about to go to wood green and go play outside and he was like no 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 wait you have to iron this um this linen outfit for me but i'm ironing a linen outfit for no particular um occasion i'm just iron have you ever ironed linen you know how much water and starch you have to use to iron linen and you iron it and you come back and it's creased again and you're like what the bloody hell is going on and I, and the thing is i used to i used to be so mad at my parents that my mom would have me iron one of her tops or something, and I would burn it on purpose. I would just leave the iron and just sit there. <laughs> nah, you're bad, bro. Oh, I'm sorry, mom. It was an accident. I didn't know it wasn't supposed to be so hot. <laughs> it, it, she's, hopefully, she's not watching because she knows that I was complicit and I was I was burning her clothes on purpose because nah, she made me bad. iron her clothes. Yeah. Why would I have to iron stuff? Like, what is yeah. that? I, I just never understood it, bro. You I'm know very my, petty. You know my... Oh, yo, I think the iguana's back. Uh -oh. no, no, I thought they caught them. I thought you paid somebody to catch them. I told you there's 40 That's of them. That's a rat then, huh? No, no, they go house to house. But, yo, this is my second thing, which is crazy. Um, okay, this happens in a lot of African homes, but I remember uh, being at home in Egypt, right? We had this couch, right? And it was a rule that we couldn't remove the plastic cover from the couch, <laughs> right? So no matter what, we sat on the, the plastic couch, right? No, no matter what, we left. 
We left home, right? I've never sat on that couch without the plastic. Is that the same couch I sat on when I came there? Till today, I don't know what we were saving the plastic for. <laughs> at, at what point were we going to take the plastic off to actually enjoy the freaking couch? I don't, those are things that. But there's so much stuff that goes into Come on, man. not understanding the mindset of my parents. Here's one, and my, my, my siblings are going are gonna to die. They're going to love this one. So when I was younger, I had a, a criminal mind. You understand? And my, I knew my mom, she used to have, you know, women, they always have different purses. They always have these different purses that they go back and forth from. And my, my parents' bedroom was on the top floor and the, the living room was on the second floor. And I would often ask my parents, hey, can I get some money for this, this, and this? And they'd be like, no. I was like, cool. When they would be watching, when they would be in the living room watching TV or whatever, I would go upstairs like I'm going to my room and sneak into their bedroom. But their bedroom, their door needed some WD-40 and it kind of creaked and made a noise when I opened the door. So I had to, I had to slide my 120 pound behind through the door. And then it was like a, a scene out of Mission Impossible or something, I swear <laughs> to you. I had to slide my way in there and go into my mom's purse. And this, and I had been doing it for, for time, bro. I was doing it for years, taking money, one pound, two pound, three pound here, put it in my pocket, walk by them like nothing was happening. This time I was like, you know what? I'm the smartest person in this house. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 pounds. Anybody who's from London understands, um, understands that <laughs> a, a pound in London is a gold coin. And if you put seven or eight pounds, that's just a 50p or uh, uh, 20, 20 pence a, a coin. And I put them in between my toes in the socks, in my socks. So I put them in between my toes and I put the socks on. And we was getting ready to go, it was a Saturday night. I remember it like it was yesterday. We're getting ready to go to this party. I go, <laughs> I go down the stairs and as I'm walking by the living room, my dad says, hey, you this small boy, come here. I'm like, and he's talking to me. And I turn around like this, like, what's up? And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, no, I'm just, just, just going downstairs. He's like, first of all, this is rude. You're standing like this and talking to your parents. That's rude. That's, that's an ass whooping off the top. So I'm standing there looking like this. And he's like, my friend, turn around. So I turn around slowly. And I'm, I'm acting like I'm limping. He's like, what's wrong with your foot? I was like, oh, nothing. He's like, come here. And as I start walking, I start walking closer and closer. And my, my muscles in my toes start, start getting weaker. <laughs> they start getting weaker. And slowly but surely, all the coins start falling. All you hear is clink, 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 clink. And my dad looks at my socks. And he's like, my friend, come here. He, he said, take your socks off. I take the socks off. And all the money falls out of the socks. Man, he beat the living daylight out of me, man. <laughs> yeah, I would have too. <laughs> he beat the living daylight out of me, man. I thought I was smarter than my parents. And I thought, you know what? I had been putting the money in my pockets. Let me try and show them how smart I really am. I'm going to put them in between my toes and get downstairs and, and buy a bunch of penny sweets with, with 10 pounds. Man, he caught me and whooped my ass, man. And we still had to go to the party.
I'm supposed to smile in front of all these aunties and uncles like everything is all good, knowing my dad had drop kicked me in the chest for stealing money from my mom. But you know, the I told you the that's, criminal mind is a stupid that's mind. What you, mind. That's what you get, bro. Now I'm telling you, these stories could go on like things oh, I yeah. don't understand, bro. Like I remember, I remember when um, when we were younger, right? And this happens in South Sudanese home, but I'm sure a lot of, a lot of, listen, a lot of Africans home, I'm sure this happens, is you struggle, right? You're going through it, you're going through it, you're going through it. And then one day you got that uncle or, you know, some relatives that are visiting. And all of a sudden there's food out of nowhere. Like you've been struggling. Yo, you been, all, all of a sudden, yo, there's a, there's a whole goat, there's a cow in the freaking thing, yo. You're like, I thought we were struggling. Uh, Uncle so-and-so is coming. It was, it was more important to impress everyone that's coming to visit than everyone at home eating like a good meal, bro. Right, right. And then when they arrive too, when they arrive as a kid, they make you sit there and you wait. Uh, it's, it's bad manners for them. Yo, I haven't seen this type of food in who knows how long, bro. Yo, it's crazy, man. Yeah, things that I don't understand, man. Oh, my God. Man, one time, so growing up, like, I, I like to consider myself a good student to an extent. When I say extent, I mean an extent. And my man, Stephen, I remember he had his parents come to this parent-teacher conference. And the teacher who we were in the same class as gave him a good report. And I was like, oh, hell no. If he's getting a good report, I'm definitely going to get a good report because he cheated off me on my test to get to that class. So I was like, you know what? Let me call my uncle. So I, the, that night I went home and I told my uncle, hey, can you look at my mom and dad that went out and my uncle was just in the living room. I was like, yo, can you look at this and sign it for me? He was like, well, where's the work that you're supposed to be doing? I said, no, 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 you just have to sign it. I didn't ask you to ask questions, fam. I just said, sign the paper and keep it moving, bro. And he was like, no, let me see the work. And before I knew it, I was in more trouble with my uncle than I would have been with my mom and dad. Yep. Like, what, well, like what, what kind of, what kind of <laughs> mess is that? You know what I'm saying? I woke yeah. up from snoring in the living room the whole day to, to help me out, thinking that, you know, uncles are supposed to be cool. He was like, no, show me the work. Now, now I'm getting ass whooping from my uncle and my dad instead of just one person. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> nah, it's so many stories, man. I I remember when when we were in London, especially when we were in London. So the house is three floors, right? And my dad would be sitting down. My dad would be sitting down next to the TV, and I'm all the way, all the way upstairs. And you know, back then when your parents used to call, you used to act like you ain't hearing. You know, so you could, so you could measure like how many times. <laughs> I used to act like you ain't hear it. Yeah, no, but how That's many the times they call you and how quick and loud they do it, it tells you how much trouble you're in, right? So the first time you hear your name, you just act like it's nothing. Then you hear your name again, you're like starting to get worried. Then when you start hearing your name repetitively, <laughs> whatever you did, you're worried, right? You run, you run downstairs, you rush downstairs. And you're standing there. And the first thing my dad would always ask or anyone in the house that's elder, the first thing is like, what are you doing? And, and you're just, I'm, I'm, I'm chilling, fam. I'm yeah. chilling, fam. Well, I'm upstairs. Oh, what are you doing there? You're playing video games again. I'm like, yeah, I'm just chilling upstairs. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, pass me the remote. It's right there, bro. <laughs> and, then, and then you grab, 
you grab the remote and in my house when you grab the remote you know exactly you better go to cnn before anything <laughs> we're gonna see we're gonna see what's on cnn today before we we check anything else yo oh my days man yo fam my parents were so strict growing up that my cousin he had everything like his mom and dad they they used to have it. He had the Nintendo. He had the Sega before I knew anybody that had it. And for Christmas one time, his mom made him give us the first Nintendo as a gift. So he gives it. Of us in this house, so, and <laughs> we're playing this game. I mean, it was Akari Warriors. We're playing it, and my dad comes home and catches us playing it. He takes everything but one controller. He takes the console, he takes the game, he takes the adapter, he takes everything and puts it in the, in the attic and leaves us with, the, with, with one controller with nothing else. For five years, I could not find what that was. <laughs> For five years. I guarantee you that Nintendo system is still up there in the attic with one controller sitting there. Sure. And I was like, why, why, why couldn't we play it? It wasn't like I had homework. It wasn't like I had papers to do. I was nine years old, fam. Like, I, I, I've always wanted to ask him the other day, where's the Nintendo? And he didn't answer. He just looked at me it's like, shut up there, small boy. Huh? This is the same spot. That's this is I... the same spot, man. And the thing is, I, I said it in the documentary, man. I never understood at a young age um, the methods of our parents or my parents or what they were doing. But... Now that I've come of age, I was like, respect, respect, man. I, re I, I, he said he pawned it. I, I was like, respect. I understood because growing up traditional, traditionally in Africa, and then you come to a country like the UK, and you're like, man, I don't want my parent, my kids to be influenced by these these people. So any type of outside influence, they were going to do their utmost to prevent it. And that's what they did. And I think they, all their siblings, all my siblings are graduated from, from college, got degrees and successful in their own right. Although at that young age, I did not care for it. I did not care for the method. You want to hear a crazy story? I was probably right before, it was probably 12, 13 years before I went to secondary school. I have, I have, to, I probably still, I still have terrible handwriting to this day. And right when your, your handwriting forms and it gets better um, and you're supposed to be working on it, um, my handwriting wasn't progressing. It wasn't getting better. And my teacher, and my dad used to tell me, don't play, don't play, don't go to playground or recess until your handwriting gets better. And I had this one, this one soccer ball that I used to hide in the closet right outside the front door. So my dad would tell me, he, he caught me with it one day. He was like, look, get rid of this ball and don't play with it no more. Work on your handwriting and that's it. So I would hide it outside so he would never know where it was. So one day I'm playing, a, <laughs> Benson's a wanker. So um, I'm playing, um, I'm playing in a playground after school, supposed to be getting ready to go home. And straight out of a movie, the ball gets kicked to the other side of the playground and it rolls. And I just see a foot step on it. I see the foot and I pan up. And it's Henry Mensabonsu. It's my dad. And I'm like, oh, shit. What, what the hell is going on? What is he doing? He never picks me up from school. I, I usually take the bus home by myself. So, so he was like, I told you about this ball. Come with me. And he grabs me and takes me into the class. 
we walk into the classroom and I see my teacher sitting there and I'm looking at her like, what's going on? And she's sitting there like she's expecting my dad. And I look at her like, you don't know what you just did. So she's telling my, 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 uh, my dad that I'm a little disrupted in class. I, I like to joke around. I talk. I'm talkative is the word she used. I'm talkative. And um, she's, um, and as she's saying that, my dad is loosening his belt. And I'm like, man, does he need to go to the bathroom or something? Like, what's he doing? He's loosening his belt. And as soon as she says, I'm disruptive, man, he pulls that thing out and whoops my behind in front of my fifth grade teacher. <laughs> he whooped my, with a belt in front of my fifth grade teacher. And it takes me out of the classroom and takes me home. The next day, the teacher was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? After that, I couldn't do any wrong. I used to put my feet on the table on the chair and just be like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm cool in here. Because she knew if she went home and gave me a bad report that that, that little African kid with the jerry curl wasn't coming back. <laughs> when she saw what my dad did, what my dad did. And another time I got in trouble, he showed up with a briefcase to the school. My dad doesn't own a briefcase. He's a minister of the church and he showed up to, a brief, to school with a briefcase. Stephen Berthier remembers, remembers, um, remembers this because we got into a fight with the older year and my, my folder, which had my name on it, fell out my backpack. And I was the only person that got caught. And he was like, tell me everybody that was, that was fighting there. And I wasn't going to snitch on my friends. So it was like, you're suspended until your parents come in. I tried to show my letter to my dad to sign it. And he was like, I'm coming to school. This dude shows up with a brief, an empty briefcase and a trench coat. For what? Why do you have a briefcase, an empty briefcase in the trench coat? It's the mentality, man. It's, it's <laughs> like you got to show up. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's, it's, but, you know. Yo, I, um, yo I, I, I hate to do this. I have to go, bro. I, um, I got a, a phone call I got to take at six. So I got a few call? minutes. Huh? I'm, call, I'm calling BS, but, you know, I have to go too, but it sounds like BS. No, no, no. It's, it's really uh, important. I mean, we stay here for three hours. I mean, am I tired? Respect. Yeah. I'm tired. I was sat here for three hours, but I really have to do this at six. Um, Someone said it was Brandon. <laughs> huh? Hey, everybody, again, I appreciate everybody for joining this live. This was, again, this was just my, 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 my younger brother, Vincent, thinking that, you know, two people who had some, some stories to share or, uh, uh, just the impact um, on their lives and talking about their their paths to 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 success or their journeys um, to this point, thought that some people would um, would get um, something from it. And again, we weren't expecting all of you guys to to join and enjoy this. We've been going for three hours today. This is as as great as it has been for you guys. It's been special to us. It's been special to me. It's been special to my to Luau and you know. This is maybe the last live, but, you know, this ain't going to be the last time you hear about Deg and Pop's chat. And, you know, before we do go, um, again, we were supposed to get together with Amadou tomorrow, um, I mean, uh, yesterday for our lives. But obviously, with everything going on, we, um, we had to pivot and reschedule. So tomorrow, um, 2 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m., um, 
somebody else's time <laughs> uh, where uh, we're going to get alive with Amadou Gallo Fall, the guy and the godfather of African basketball, the guy who's influenced the game, influenced myself, Luau, all of the all of these NBA players who are in the NBA who are who have made it to this point right now, and you know we're going to continue this. But again, Luau and I are signing off. Appreciate and love you guys, Lou. What you got? I mean, you just took an hour. One. I don't even know if I got enough time to to to, to, to catch up with everyone now. I just, you know, I you just always got... make me. You always make me go first because you act like you don't understand what the questions are. No, so I, when I go first. When I go first now, now you're gonna chastise me. That's why I don't. Re that's how I don't respond to men from South London. You know, See that's what because I mean? they're now different. You're, you're still taking time when they're seven minutes. No, that's I, fine. I can't that's even fine. give a. I can't give a shout out because you're giving a shout out to the. Who whole are you gonna shout out? You know, shout out to the small goat that pops gave me right there. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky I could I could could have get my story. So. Now, uh, jokes aside, man, I really, I wasn't sure about this. Uh, Pops and Benson obviously told me that we should do this. It's important for people to hear uh, what we have to say and see our point of view and how we look at things. Um, I'm happy I got to share that with people. Uh, try to really answer as many questions as we can, but I was more, you know, trying to get people to understand that we just, you know, normal people, we just really trying to, give back as much as we can and try to answer as many questions as we can. And for all those youngsters out there that really, you know, whether it's basketball or whatever you're doing, uh, there's no, you know, the magic, magic is in the work. Like it's not, there's no sugarcoating or anything. It's hard work and pushing yourself and being open-minded to understand other things that you could grow in. So, you know, for me, for everyone who tuned in and everyone who's uh, been watching, I really appreciate it. I'm, Again, I'm glad I got the chance to to do this with Pops. Uh, it's special because, you know, not only growing up together, but just the path alone and everything that he's doing now and what I'm doing is, is connecting again. And even though we retired, there's so many other ways to grow. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So, you know, shout out to everyone. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, be safe out there. Take care of yourself. And um, I, I do want to say something. Bro, I wasn't finished, fam. Go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. My bad. My all bad. I did, all I did was two minutes. It started at look. Fifty-three. Respect. Continue. You're you're wasting time now. The more time you take, the more I'm gonna interrupt you. Please continue. No, because now I just want to talk until it cuts off <laughs> on purpose. Well, whose voice is deeper? Nah, nah, my nah, voice nah, is gonna. Nah, okay. Nah, okay. No, nah, no, nah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. So for but me. What I was gonna say was. <laughs> 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 now nah, go ahead. You bloody cow. You are a bloody cow. Okay. Um, for me, my mom, when I bought my first house, my mom gave me this, this, this big, like, um, sign that said, great men are ordinary men with an extraordinary amount of determination. And uh, I basically feel like that's what Luau and myself are. We, we were just, I'm not calling myself a great man, but what we've been able to achieve, some people would consider um insurmountable or great and when my mom put that in my and gave it to me i put it in my garage so every time i drove home i understood what my path and my purpose was so again we're all ordinary if you have an extraordinary amount of determination and focus you can achieve anything in life so like teddy riley i appreciate you guys uh, thank respect. you guys thank you thanks pops 
You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.